Avant with excellent ladder control. Crouching Goblin, Hidden Dock. A show-stopping musical number. Ropey action sequences. And no glove, no love. It's called The Church on Ruby Road. Here we go! Whistle on our epic race. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Yay! Hello! Hello! everyone welcome to another christmas spectacular podcast of who back when a doctor who podcast or doc past yay indeed synchronized <laughs> thank you for sticking around with us it's marvelous to have you here it's very nice to be here <laughs> in february in february <laughs> nice to get back in the christmas spirit happy christmas everyone <laughs> happy new year happy valentine's day Happy Shrove Tuesday, oh, yes. if that's your thing. Lots of oh. celebrations to be had. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'd like to introduce my fabulous co-hosts. They are sat in front of a beautiful old bookcase in Oxford, looking very fancy, waving over the internet at me. That one with the beard, his name is... Oh, it's me, it's Leon. Hello, hello. Who are you? <laughs> oh, right, sorry. <laughs> that's me. My name's Marie. I thought you'd recognise me by Marie. now. Hi. Uh, hello, nice to be here. <laughs> And that to Whoa, the who's one, this man next to me? Yeah, <laughs> to the left of you. <laughs> to complete this performative sham, you know who I am as well. It's me, Drew Backwen. Hello, wow. Drew. Hello, Leon. Hello, three. Hello, podcast. Man. Hello, all around. What up? Yeah. Christmas is all around. <laughs> Christmas is all around. We have an announcement oh? to make before we get into oh, the yes. episode. It's been plaguing right. me for weeks. I need to set the record straight. The last episode I reviewed, The Vibe Blue Yonder, overmarked, yeah. horrendously overmarked. And I have a confession oh to make. My confession is, I was peer pressured into it, not by YouTube fine chaps, <laughs> but by, the, by myself, because I what? cheated, because I read ahead the listener minis, and everyone scored it really highly, and I got nervous, and I was like, I can't do it. And I bowed to peer pressure, so I overmarked it uh, by a long way. Amazing. And I want to rectify <laughs> the situation and bring it back down. I was initially going to say it's an average episode. It had no consequence, neither here nor there. It didn't affect anything. <laughs> therefore, it should be in the middle, an inconsequential score of 2.5. Let the record say <gasps> that's my view on that. Marie, um, it took a lot of courage to come clean. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. Even more respect. courage because the 14th Doctor is still alive and around to hear that. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. But what I wanted to say was like, now that I've seen a good episode, I've remembered what they can be like. And so it made me oh. reevaluate the previous one. So a, a that's good my episode, high level. you say. That's, I yeah. See. So, <laughs> yeah. So this oh. is better than Wabalu Yonder, better than 2.5. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Leon, I think you should go next. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, this is not better than Wild Blue Yonder in my eyes. <laughs> It is, it's a Christmas episode, obviously, like it's a holiday special. So for that reason, as we say, every time we review a holiday special, we cut it some slack. Yeah, we're far more forgiving. Yeah, but even so, there are nits to be picked. There are lines you will not cross, even at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas in February is sacred. Yeah, my high level is solid, middling at best. Interesting. That's what I expected all along. 
Oh, I'm expecting really? to be keeping you? you two apart. <laughs> oh, really? My high level is it's a bit unhinged. It's got mm. some sinister elements and a genuine, oh my God, they broadcast that prime time on Christmas Day with all the little children watching moment when, yeah. when the steeple comes up through the goblins. So it's got a lot going mm. for it, mm. but also sure. there's a lot of bollocks. Yeah. Can we agree if this had aired, let's say, in August? But it didn't. But if it had it aired in August, if, if the Godwins don't necessarily, it doesn't have Good to be point, a Christmas thing. It doesn't have to be a Christmas <laughs> thing. It could be like, oh, both of these kids were born on the 3rd of August or whatever. There yeah. was what a, a Goblin in a Santa hat, though, so it would change the whole trajectory. Yeah, but like, uh, we'd see Giant out of there, or it would be <laughs> a purple hat or green or something. We'd say it was pants, right? There's no Christmas ornament to fall on the Doctor. It has to be a Christmas episode. Come on. It's a Maypole. Yeah. It's a Maypole. <laughs> In August, are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's the traditional August okay, holiday on. traffic jam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, okay, I think we've high-leveled enough. We need to establish some foundation upon which this episode can rest. Oh, that's an excellent suggestion. However would we go about doing that? My suggestion would be let's dive right into a B-scow. Oh, what a phenomenal idea. Way better than what I was thinking. Saying. <laughs> let's. Let's. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. A mysterious cloaked figure enigmatically leaves a newborn baby behind on the collection doorstop of St. Building Atmosphere's Church one snowy Christmas Eve, departing without so much as a goodbye Ruby Sunday. Who could hang that name on her? Flash forward 18 years and the foundling has grown up to become another wide-eyed portion of grist for Davina McCall's sentimentality mill. But just when Ruby hopes to find out about her family, her foster mum Carla gets a new baby with the same birthday to care for over Christmas. Enter the 15th Doctor, catching Ruby's gin and tonic here, sprinting down roof ridges there. Turns out her accidents were no accident. This series of coincidences is indeed no coincidence, as every adopted character ever fostered in the show has become fair game for the Goblin. Biscow over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? Good, excellent. Ooh. Now that everybody's got their high level thoughts and feelings out in the open, let's dive into some specifics. I can think of a few things. Leon, what on earth could you deedly dislike about this song slash episode? I'm going to start with a question that is not related to the song. I'm going to leave oh! that until later. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with a question that I think segues nicely from the conclusion of the B-Scow, and that is, can a deliberately engineered similarity truly be said to be a coincidence? No, I think, isn't that the point? They're not coincidences. They are manufactured. But they feed off coincidence. No, I know. So they're time bimblers and they've bimbled back through time and found a day when Ruby's mom was about to foster another child born on Christmas Day. And that's mm -hmm. a coincidence. That's a true coincidence. And so they were like, okay, this is going to be delicious. Let's now. Yeah, I mean, that is the only coincidence. Bimble back. Exactly. And then they bimble back through more time and create more little coincidences. But then later on, when the doctor also turns out to have been a foundling, and then the mum says, oh, couldn't you just eat her all up? And then the coincidences pile on thick and fast. And I really love that. Yeah. Okay. To me, it was a little unclear. Are they feeding on coincidence, on mischief, on calamity? Are they there for just death and destruction? Because it seems as though absolutely everything has been engineered by these goblins. Yeah, there are follow-on coinkidings, but those coinkidings are based on something that they put together. 
they picked this day. They made sure that everyone was in the same room. The doctor's whole spiel about like, oh, when you have lots of bad luck, then you're placed on the map, essentially. Like something happens, it gets all tangled in your day. That wasn't bad luck. It was just them sabotaging this one poor woman. <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's... Am uh, I the only one who thinks that's a I, bit of an engineer? I think I see well, what you're saying. I think the focus on coincidence is the wrong thing. I think he talks first about coincidence and then he goes on to say, like, it's the language of luck. And I think coincidences are luck. It's lucky or it's unlucky that these things happen to be happening again. And yeah, like, but luck that, and the lack of and... luck there. Yeah, they're stacking the deck, the goblins. They're ensuring that you have to draw that particular card. I'm not going to lie, peeps. I genuinely thought this was going to be a killer first question. Might still be. <laughs> Wait to crap on your co-host. I genuinely thought someone would have something funny to say by now. Sorry, podcast land. It's not my fault. Th- anyway. That's not at all what I was doing. I was rather <laughs> expecting a bigger reaction. I, I think. Right. I genuinely think this is a failing in the episode. It said, "Oh wow, this one person. She keeps falling. Everyone around her keeps." tripping davina spends one day with her and then she falls off a moose or whatever it was there's lots of shit happening around her and it's all unlucky and that's the reason that there are positive and negative coincidences that's why they hone in on her that seems odd to me that seems like the seasoning basically like luck or bad luck or whatever that's the seasoning and yeah. she becomes really delicious to them by having been seasoned by them but couldn't you just season anyone they might as well do the exact same thing to Abdul on the same street. Yeah, there's another thing that the Doctor cites as being a coincidence, which is that they live in a top floor flat. But that's just a good opportunity for the goblins. That just makes their job easier. That's not a coincidence. Is it though? Because I don't know, because they can go back in time, they can go and fiddle with things. And she made the comment about it being the only flat in the building that's rent controlled. So ah. maybe it was a coincidence that they were there in the first place, but they shouldn't still be there because Granny should have moved downstairs by now. But because it's so cheap, they don't move. So maybe the goblins have come in and tinkered with some things and made sure their rent I, never I, goes up. All of this reminds me of that lesser known Alanis Morissette song. Isn't it coincidental? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of different things here being brought under the umbrella of coincidence. It's happenstance, it's opportunity. It's also making history rhyme rather than coincidence. It's a parallelism. It's this happened to someone else and now it's happening to this person as well. That's not a coincidence. They're 19 years apart. That's very much not a coincidence. Coincidence (laughs) that the same person adopted them on the same day, I guess. But yeah, because I fundamentally really liked this element of it, and I like this idea of it's a new language, like Doc's learning the language of look and how that interacts with the language of time that he already understands. I thought that was really cool. I liked it more than the language of ropes, like the vocabulary of ropes I wasn't invested in very much. Okay. I thought that was like I was literally just going to say, the, the two languages in this episode made me feel like Dr. Sparks. That was so doctory. <laughs> the whole, like, yeah, exactly as you said, the whole learning the language of coincidence and like whatever else as being almost like magic. And the, I just feel, feel super doctory. Yeah. That's a positive, really by the way. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> And seeing all those ropes knotted together in the ship, it did remind me of the vast World War II computers they built. It's all rope. It's all, yeah, just, it's all just rope. There's similar principles. You do this, that goes here. You've got to follow the logic chain. I bought that and the language of luck and 
different patterns in numbers and different ways of seeing it and that's something rick and morty does very well it's something douglas adams did very well he takes coincidence and he builds a whole system on top of it and sees everything through that lens and that's very nice i could have done perhaps without the self-congratulatory taste i got from it that happens on a few occasions in this episode yeah there are quite a few times where the episode just loses momentum stops take stock of what it's done and goes oh wow can someone please pat me on the back (laughs) because the goblins they're friggin geniuses and the doctor i must be a next level genius to out genius the genius goblin yeah can we just spend three minutes on how amazing my glove is by the way let's just stop everything (laughs) i don't think the goblins are made out to be geniuses though because ruby calls them time travelers at one point and he literally is like no they're not they like dirty and cheap and they don't time travelers are brilliant I don't think he respects them enough to call them genius. Yeah, he really quite derogatorily looks at them. They're just filthy plebs and no one should mourn them after I murder them. And it's very cold how he does murder them as well. It really reminds Hmm. me of, this is really jumping to the end now, but when he does pull the ship down onto the church, which looks phenomenal, by the way, like it's a really cool image of just this pirate ship on top of a depot. Absolutely. And it just made me think of Tennant's first episode. And there's a point in both of them where they think the alien has gone run away. And Tennant like, calls them back, but basically to tell them off and to be like, you don't do that again. This planet's protected. And Gatwa goes and runs after them and then kills them. I was like, oh, that's a very strong start to your doctor's tenure. That's such a good parallel. Doesn't Tennant... He chucks yeah. one of the Sycoracs off the edge of the ship, doesn't he? And then we get that overly dramatic shot of him walking to the camera. That's not the kind of doctor yeah. I am. I don't give second chances. Classic Turner, all the way. <laughs> but then that's dealt with in that scene in Christmas Invasion as, oh, shit, that's uncharacteristic of this doc. And if you take a life, that's something to actually stop and analyze. Yeah. Was that really the right thing to do? Here, sod it. This dude's killed a shipload of goblins. Before yeah. we know that, the only goblins there are. He killed goblin royalty. No worries. <laughs> Walk away. Do, 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 do. No respect for his regal lineage. Leaving footsteps in the snow. Do, 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 do. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. It's a pick up on the thing five minutes ago. He does oh, call them journeyman bimblers. He does. Yeah. But this comes mere seconds after saying all the more convenient for a goblin ship. Ah, oh, it's like a tapestry. It's gorgeous RTD's writing. I could just snuggle into it like a pillow and sleep the best night's sleep <laughs> I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I'm absolutely certain that somewhere in my bullet points I've written, I really enjoyed the tapestry note. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I also you know, just, just yeah, Nice. <laughs> Me three, but let it lie. Rather than mm. swinging your dick in my face and says, looks good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is fair. Got a real writer in the building. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. What are we talking about? I don't know. But should we be talking about the new Doctor? That's what I was going to say. We were just talking about how Doctory or not his actions mm. are. And I wanted to talk about how he's introduced in this episode and how Doctory oh, yeah. feels or doesn't feel. And whether you enjoyed it or not, I am assuming you did. Well, how did you feel about it? (laughs) About him in the nightclub, like, dancing. I think the first time I watched it, I really disliked it. I felt it was super hyper-sexualized. And I was like, this is, again, contrast to Matt Smith's Doctor, who is the goofiest dancer. He's the only one I can think of dancing. And he looks like an idiot. And then you get Gatwa and it's, (laughs) oh, yeah, fuck, this is a very attractive man dancing quite sexily. Yeah. But I think on rewatch, I just fucking loved it. I was like, he's just having the time of his life. He doesn't care what anyone else is doing. He's just completely in his own world. And I really enjoyed it, actually. I watched it the second time and I wondered if he'd been given a note 
he'd already done the giggle with David Tennant and the note would have been dance like you've just had 700 years of therapy and been absolved of the guilt of killing half the fucking universe <laughs> act like you're that liberated and unburdened because that's what he was doing yeah yeah that is true and he's in a kill Not the first it's so oh, cool like he's just twirling he's around so cool. in kill. It's, yeah. But, but is he too cool? I don't know. First of all, just to say, that's not the first time that we see the Doctor in this episode. We no, see him right. before then, the day yeah. before, which raises questions for me, or questions for you rather, that I'm about to ask. But I was going to say the <laughs> dance club scene felt gratuitous in a sense. Mm. Yeah, he's an absolutely stunning man who is chiseled from marble, who clearly is a great dancer and very cool. The dance club just fawns over him. And she notices him from afar. Did you say this? Someone said this? Maybe this was in a list of mini last week. That entire scene is based on how RTD first met his husband. Oh, I didn't oh, know really? that. He was, I, I can't remember who that. said this. Sorry, Podcast Land, if this was in, in a mini. But apparently that was entirely inspired by how RTD, the first time he saw his husband, or mm. husband-to-be at the time. Which, yeah, fair play. But <laughs> imagine that done with any other doctor. It doesn't feel doctory. Basically, I don't want the doctor to be cool. And do you know what it does make me think of as well? It's like a point that Jim made about the last episode where the doctor was introduced. And he's like the first black doctor... And then suddenly you get him walking around in his pants. He's the one who's half naked. And so already from the first minute we see him, he's this hypersexualized yeah. figure. And there's a whole history of that. If you want to link into it, black figures being hypersexualized. And then they double down on it in this episode as well. It did make me feel so uncomfortable the first time I watched it. I think it's really nice knowing that little bit of backstory about RTD and his husband. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, it does, it does, none of it feels very doctory. That's exactly right. It's a lovely personal note, but somehow alien to this show, at least to yeah. date. It's a little odd. Yeah. Slightly strange. I'm not in his head, but he thinks it would fit the character necessarily. Clearly, we have he and I. He has more authority, different <laughs> conceptions of what the character is and can be. And this being such a slow motion, camera lingering, sort of iconic entrance, he's making a statement. RTD is never shy about making a statement. But yeah, with his husband, it's obviously we went on to have a loving relationship. You and the doctor cannot have that context. No. Maybe he just did this for his husband. Oh. Maybe that's the motivation behind having that, I think, quite gratuitous scene. Okay, can I ask a question about when he's actually first appearing in the episode? Because the dance club is the day after the first time that he shows up. The first time that he shows up is at the concert, at the gig. Because Ruby is in a band. I'm assuming mm. that means that'll somehow feed into the musical episode that we all know is going to come. But she's gigging and Doc is just there. I thought it was a little cringe, but he's just in the sidelines, just staring at her. Clearly, he's onto something. He's picked up on whatever it is that maybe the goblins are planting in her timeline. But then the next day, he's just dancing <laughs> and then he catches her G&T. And then he just leaves. What? <laughs> Are you there on a mission? Is this an actual coinkydink? He wasn't even spying on no. her the day before. He was just checking out the gig. Isn't this odd? I think I took that I to found... be that he queued in on something that the goblins had. Her timeline looks delicious. So um... why would he leave the next day? Why does he Cause... just walk off on his own after the club? Actually, yeah, he saves her life that day on the... Oh, I don't know if he saves her life because it's just a paper head that would fall on a taxi and he manages to survive it so i think yeah. they would have been fine in the <laughs> yeah. car and the way he punched um, his way out through the snowman's <laughs> eye by the way just yeah. lovely image hilarious but yeah it doesn't just leave he's there when she goes home and he's there at the right point to save her which is another coincidence 
because he doesn't know that's going to happen. It's either coincidence or it's us filling in the coincidence lacuna left there by lazy writing because even if the doctor is oh her keyboard stopped working that's interesting that's not the first instrument malfunction that's ever (laughs) happened on a stage like how does he know there are tiny little goblin hands at work completely right but also i think i know the answer to this and i just found another bullet point in my notes which i hadn't connected these two but the scene with the police officer which directly follows him being hit by the snowman okay that was a scene that disney requested they shoot after the episode had been done oh Yeah, I literally just Googled, does Disney own Doctor Who or something along those lines? No is the answer, by the way. But there's a whole array of people writing about what's the influence that Disney wields over Doctor Who now. And this is one of the examples that they cite, that they shot the episode, they edited the episode, the execs at Disney watched it and then went, no, we want the Doctor to be in it earlier, right in a scene. And that's why they wrote the policeman scene. And in order to substantiate the policeman scene, maybe that's why they have to write the scene before. And maybe that's why they have to write the scene before and so on and so forth. So maybe that's the only reason he's at the gig in the first place. I was going to bring that up, actually, because I'd read the same thing. And I think that leads on to the points that I really disliked the most. Maybe not the most, because we'll get to that. But they just fundamentally have changed who the Doctor is. So going back to the club for starters... Ruby watches him dancing in the middle of the club. She drops her drink and immediately he picks it up. There is no physical, humanly possible way that he would have got there in time. Now we're suddenly expected to think that the Doctor can travel at super speed. And then Mm. the next scene that we see him in, he's literally Sherlocking this guy. I know you've got a ring and therefore blah, blah, blah. And the sales didn't even start to this day. And of course she's going to say yes. And this is, wait, no, this is so alien to... We know the Doctor's clever and he can work things out, but he doesn't predict the future. That's just an odd thing to throw in there, I thought. I totally agree with you, but I loved the policeman scene. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Only because he so very clearly made that chap's day. It was just so nice afterwards. The policeman sees a police box dematerialize before his eyes, but all he can think is, oh, she's going to say yes. It it just was very heartwarming. Yeah. The only way I would have improved that scene, because I liked the Sherlocking as well, because we don't have Sherlock on TV anymore. So to see some grade A Sherlocking Mm. was nice touch of nostalgia i would have liked the policeman to be going oh she says yes she says yes oi come back here <laughs> <laughs> goes around the corner fucking stop <laughs> no i really disliked it i felt as much as i love sherlock it's a different show it didn't make me feel nostalgic for sherlock it felt like it was ripping it off because it's not even the same writer who yeah. has done this no. I think if Moffat had done it, I would have still hated it because I'd be like, keep your show separate, please, sir. But yeah, the fact that it was RTD is like... Sorry, I suppose at a time where we are nervous about the Doctor's identity being vulnerable, not because it's parting to Suji Gatwa, but because of Disney influence, we don't want him to suddenly be a cross between Superman and Sherlock and squeezing out classic Doctor traits. Yeah. Matt Smith, the Doctor, does a lot of very blatant Sherlocking in the 11th hour, also the first appearance of a new Doctor. And I certainly love it in that episode. I think it works. And in this one, it's holiday, yada, yada, yada. 
But the super lightning fast moving across to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the GNT, there's another episode, an RTD episode, where the Doctor does this literally only once. And it is, is it called The End of the World? No, you're not talking about slowing down time to walk through the fan. Yes. No! I hate that so much. (laughs) Yeah, no, I also absolutely hated that scene can eat my entire ass. But that's a precedent of this showrunner and this writer doing that exactly once. Yeah. No, no. It doesn't make it any better in my eyes. I don't care if it's precedent. (laughs) Two wrongs don't make a right. No, I'm with you. You're my friends who agree with me. I hate that scene back in End of the World or whatever it's called. But, sorry, it's redonk. I don't like it. I hope it doesn't last. Yeah, me too. And I think in terms of the Sherlocking, I think what it just made me miss is I love it when Doc... Like, Doc does work things out. He's a very clever man, obviously, or person. And we see him using this incredible logic to figure things out that other people couldn't. But I love usually how it's done. It's, it's almost a surprise to him. We go through the logic with him and yeah. we see him figuring it out. And that's part of the joy we're brought along. Whereas this felt very like, well, I know all these things. Very and good a, point. A little bit condescending. Also, he bases it on his Sonic. We should talk Sonic at some point. But like yeah. he bases it on the Sonic going ping because it goes ping whenever there's a diamond around. It's like, there's a diamond uh, hunter now. What kind of weird, dumb setting is that on your Sonic? <laughs> And There's no inner diamond, so how does it work on diamonds? Yeah. Does it just go ping to everything it can't affect? What a rubbish <laughs> tool. And then on top of that, it goes, yeah, it's a diamond because only a man would think that a woman wants a diamond. It's like, no, that's a pretty culturally cemented form of a, an engagement ring. Actually, A like, lot of women that, like that's diamonds. That's pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, diamonds are ten a penny. God, you can't swing a cat without hitting a diamond. What? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's pretty nonsense. Yeah. Someone please save me. Let's talk more about the Sonic Screwdriver then. Okay. It's shit. <laughs> True. Fair. It's a TV remote control. Yeah. But it's better than the last one, to be fair. Tenant's brief one in the last three episodes that did all sorts of Is weird... Is it better because oh, it doesn't do holographic computers and... Yes. Force fields and whatever. Or is that it? we oh, know okay. of so, so far. That's true. Yeah. Very good point. What about the look and feel of it? Obviously, it's, it's like, like a mouse. We've... Yeah. Yes. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah, a fancy 89 pounds and up mouse. Not just your <laughs> click and wobble. But An the, ergonomic the the mouse. Balls in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think if you go on AliExpress and you look up Universal Remote, you can find something that looks <laughs> not entirely unlike this. It makes me cross how hideous it is. Yeah. Does that mean you're not going to buy one? No, uh, I would have. No, I I don't go around (laughs) buying Sonics. I'm just saying, because you have Sonics. I'm just saying. Sonic. Yeah, I'm just saying. (laughs) This is the feedback, marketers. Yeah, someone Leon won't buy it. It's not worth having. Absolutely not. This is worse than. (laughs) Do you remember when Capaldi had a Sonic that was modeled after the TARDIS? Oh, yeah. And it had the top of the TARDIS on top of it and did like a blue and white little. Oh, it was so naff. It actually hurt somewhere behind my navel how naff it was. And this one makes Capaldi's shit one look like a bloody Ferrari. This one is dreadful. (laughs) I also really took offense to the line. Ruby was like, oh, what can you use this sonic screwdriver for? And he's like, duh, it's a screwdriver. It needs screws. Since when has it only worked on things with screws? That's completely ridiculous. Also, why wouldn't it work on rope, by the way? It doesn't work on rope here, but previously... It doesn't do rope! (laughs) 
great Donna. That's exactly who I'm quoting. <laughs> oh, really? Wait, is that a, yeah, is that a Donna line? it doesn't line? do wood. Yeah. Oh, is it wood? Wait, did she say? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It does everything except for wood. Oh, I thought this it was... is why you get the wooden Cyberman. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It doesn't do wood well. I feel like it doesn't what? do like, natural fibres. It probably wouldn't mm. do yarn either or hemp. <laughs> <laughs> rope is great because once you're tied up if you run out of stuff you can always smoke it but damn it maybe i've got this twisted around rope because i think in the donna episode it does do the rope or maybe sarah lancashire's character has something sonic and that starts to untwist the rope the doctor is hanging from bing bong partners in crime Bing bong. And so it's very specifically can do rope. I think you're right. (gasps) Yes, I think you're right about that. And so that makes this scene an absolute lie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they went just too far. After the 60th anniversary specials, they're like, oh, wait, can the Sonic do literally anything at this point? Dial it back. Got to rein it in. Right. Well, it's a screwdriver again. It's just really fancy. It can only unscrew things, screw things, and detect diamonds. That's all it can do. <laughs> Three settings. Beep, boop, beep. <laughs> so what basically think- we're saying that the look and concept of the Sonic by now is a mess that's been melted in a car crash. I think we need to see it in action a little bit more before okay. we can decide. Mm. What are you going to say, Marie? I was just going to ask what everybody thought about Ruby. Ruby Rubes. Ooh. I have lots of nice things to say about Ruby. Yay! At the beginning. <laughs> at the beginning? Oh. No, I'm not saying that I then rode back on that. I'm saying that from the start, mm. like expositing her story to Davina McCall is not the cleverest device in the world, but it's not too bad. It's something that would happen on the real life show. And yeah. mm-hmm. I wrote that she is full of confidence and personality. She's open, affable, family oriented, loving, not rich, seeking purpose. She's immediately relatable. And all that comes across in like the first 30 seconds. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. Or 90 seconds at least. The second we see her <laughs> on the street where she lives, that's fine. I need two scenes with her to okay. relate to her. Oh, mm-hmm. because you think she might bring it all on for the cameras. She goes back to her mansion. <laughs> Like a thousand Dalmatians. <laughs> What's the Simpsons got? Is slippers made of otters? No, it's Mr. Burns. Anyway. Like my loafers, former goofers. That's it. it. <laughs> That's it. Nice. <laughs> also, excellent voice work. Thank you. Because I agree with you, Drew, that the setting in which the exposition is first exposited, the setting in which her context is laid out, is also gratuitous. It's a little lazy. How on earth can we tell someone's life story? Oh, she's interviewed on a show in which she has to tell her life story. Yeah, that's (laughs) convenient. But then when we see her interacting with her mom and with her neighbors and everything, she's just walking down the streets. Yeah, instantly relatable. I agree. I think even with Davina, I know the setup's a bit off, but I, I actually, side note, love the whole Davina storyline. I think that's absolutely spot on, and I have zero notes about that. I have oh, notes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I have positive notes, but I just think like the way she interacts with her, she's so humble and cute, and Davina's mm. apologizing for calling her a foundling, and she's immediately oh, like, it's fine, and just... I think even before you see her, the scenes with her mom and grandma like just cement what you already know from like the first second you meet her is just this is a really wonderful, kind-hearted, down-to-earth, wholesome woman. Um, totally good agree. Egg. Yeah, good absolutely egg. agree. Hundred percent a good egg. 
I'm and already I so have... sad that she's leaving after this season. I know. I'm really angry. <laughs> I dislike that decision. <laughs> I don't know why it was made. I'm already going to vote the last episode really low because why would well, they? I assume that they've written an arc for her and yeah. her mum. Yeah. And her birth mum. Okay. Yeah. They know exactly how that culminates and somehow that involves her leaving the show or whatever. Yeah. It's a pity though. And we don't know that the companion to follow won't be equally as good. No, no I'm, I'm sure, sure there'll be I'm plenty sure of great companions. Yeah. When... Part of me is like, get as many great performers on the show as you can because we're only mm. getting eight episodes a year. So pack them in. Sure. But it's <laughs> nice when you have a twosome that builds chemistry and that builds history and everything that they do, every follow-up performance is based and informed by that past experience, that joined experience. I'm not longing for another origin story for another future companion with another, I'm sure, great actor. I want more about this one. And it just feels like it's way too soon. We're literally just started to get used to this character and already it's oh she's gone new ones in it's like, i haven't even seen her yet i haven't even grown to love her as i'm sure i will yeah um, they've already cast her replacement yeah they're filming yeah. right now i think oh are they filming already oh, i think they're already exciting. filming yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i didn't realize with the super extended post-production time necessary mm. to get this show looking 10 million dollars an episode on the screen yeah you have to be shooting and writing one or two series shooting? in advance you already <laughs> But so much about this show is kept secret. Just keep this secret a little longer so exactly. that you're not then at cross purposes and undercutting what we haven't even seen yet. Yeah. Exactly. When we do get to the final episode, there's no tension there. Ten- exactly. We know she's going to be written out. We know she's probably not going to die off because they don't do that. But we know that whatever happens, this is the end versus if they had left it as a secret and then it happened to be like the end of her run, that would be a really big moment. And then you introduce a new companion. Just seems like they've done it all yeah. out of order. Okay, can I voice another fear? And let's okay. revisit this Uh-oh. at the end of the first season and see what came of it. But the fact that they say in the beginning here, putting a pin in this again, because I have notes about the Divina McCall situation, but they say the birth mother has left, and like zero relatives, in fact, have left any DNA anywhere. Mm-hmm. There are no fingerprints, digital or otherwise, anywhere. Database drew a blank. Makes me think that this is the arc. This is yeah. what, oh, we're, yeah. 100%. what we're focusing on. Yeah. And it makes me think this companion is either not human or human but from a different time or yeah. there's some wibbly wobbly there's behind it there's a mystery it. there yeah what i miss is the same thing that i missed when all of a sudden the doctor became the messiah of the time lords or of the gallifreyans i just miss regular people being part of this hmm. why can't are we going to find out that ruby was never just a regular person all along she was this special alien or something superhuman I think you can be both. I think she is a regular person. She's grown up, I don't know how old she is, but her 20 years on this earth with her mom and her grandma and she's lived a really normal, average, beautiful human life. And then she can find out something that might change that. Like it doesn't take away from her to think that she might have origins somewhere else. Yeah. But we've just gone through all that with the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> but Let's put a pin on that and see what happens. I have two more things Go to say it. about Ruby Yay! before we move on. Number one, I'm incredibly biased towards Ruby and I will not have a bad word said against her because she's she, great. She is my cousin. Like literally. Oh, oh. Not Wait. not related. But she I well, see not my cousin. Not literally. <laughs> that was a very confusing few seconds. <laughs> literally my cousin, Sorry. but not literally. As soon this as makes she the language of coincidence seem clear and straightforward. <laughs> 
Could like, you say that phrase in rope? <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I know you. All her mannerisms, like how she looks, how her accent, everything is my cousin. And so I am predisposed ah. to adore her already. So I'm glad that you guys also like her because I didn't know whether that was just a personal thing. Oh <laughs> no, you are our friend who agrees with us, I think. Yeah. She's yeah, yeah. she's fabulous. Apart from that really unsettling undertone on a genetic level that just makes me <laughs> against her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have um, a natural aversion against Ubermensch, but yeah. <laughs> The second reason why I really love her is I personally think, and I read articles that disagree with this, I think she's Clara 2.0. Oh. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff out there that is, oh, she's like the new Rose, or she's like the new Donna, or blah, 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 whatever. But no, she's no. literally, as soon as she's introduced, there's a mystery surrounding her. She sees a ladder hanging from nowhere. She climbs it. She's incredibly intelligent, brave, bold. She can think on her feet. She's like the most capable companion we've had for a long time. She can make up a song on the spot when she needs to. Oh, can she? We'll all... get to that another time. Yeah. <laughs> I think these like... are all things she has in common with Rose, frankly. No, I disagree. Oh. I don't know. I don't see the Rose thing. I see Clara. I see someone really capable and strong and intelligent. And I think Rose was in the beginning quite naive. And I don't really see that with her. Okay, that is a very fair point. Yeah, actually, you've convinced me. I'm, you're right. <laughs> Okay. But there are other <laughs> other things in common with her, or rather, there are things that Rose and Clara have in common. The whole hmm. mystery arc that's set out from the start, they have that in common. Rose yeah. doesn't have a mystery also, from the start, are... does she? Well, pretty early on, don't we get the bad wolf situation? No, but that comes about because of her relationship with the Doctor. That's not about her personally. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. The, Clara the parallels... was like introduced as the mystery girl. We didn't know the who impossible she was. Impossible girl. Impossible girl. She appeared Souffle out girl. She was really intriguing. And I feel like that's how Ruby set up. There's a lot we don't know about her. There's definitely an intrigue. Mm. Just the iconic image of the mother walking away in this foggy evening with this. I think iconic is yeah. a little strong, but sure. No, it's not <laughs> strong. It's accurate. Mm, we'll get to that. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say there are parallels with Rose's situation that they are very young. They're 18. To say that blondness is in some way a meaningful shared characteristic is pushing it's it too not. far. But they are both growing up. <laughs> they both don't have a father figure in their flat. Uh-huh. They are living with their mum still, but they are but going she, off to seek adventure. Father, doesn't she? Or he died but when she, she does, was really yeah, young. but he's but an she absentee. had a father up until a point, and then he died when she was Well, young. he died, and then in the parallel universe, he's a bit of an absentee dad, isn't he? There are so many companions at this point that you can pick any number of elements that the latest one will share with a whole bunch of them. True. Yeah. I, I certainly agree with you that she is more Clara than Rose. And mm. for that reason, I'm glad that she's not going to be hanging around for three years. Said it already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We're printing Team Ruby t-shirts. <laughs> and Team, oh, whatever the opposite, Team Newbie. Just, just put 2023 <laughs> to 2024 on the back of mine and that'll ring true. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned the bad wolf mystery. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I had a note about the figure who, after many minutes, after the Doctor has fully pulled down a pirate ship and pierced the Goblin mm. King, is still shuffling up the road. Yeah. Barely 20 feet further along. And my note was, for long arc mysteries set up before, like Bad Wolf, or the planets going missing, or the Doctor dying by Lake Silencio, 
the antagonist is made inaccessible through either concealment in the vast cosmos or timey-wimey stand back or you'll fuck everything up reasons. But here, no, the Doctor just turns and heads into the TARDIS and lets Mystery Lady just walk away. When he could run up and tap her on the shoulder and be like, sorry, excuse me, who are you? Why did you just do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With your really, million percent. That was a really poor editing choice because when he comes out of the TARDIS and she's there and she's walking away... And at that point, he has to make a decision. He's like, I can run after Ruby's mom and find out why she left her, or I can go and save baby Ruby. And so it's very clear that you'd go and save the baby. And yeah. then it should be, by the time he comes back, it's too late and he can't find her. But the fact that she's yeah, exactly. still there is ridiculous. Unless and she literally stopped she and watched reacting. the ship. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> so I've heard one theory about this, and that is that the woman walking away is... I don't know how, how realistic this is, but it's the 13th Doctor, which would make Ruby the Doctor's daughter, which <gasps> might mean that at the end of her run in a season's time, maybe she meets someone. Maybe she's pregnant, in fact. Maybe she has a baby. That's her arc. She starts taking care of a baby. She ends taking care of a baby. I'm only saying that because that would mean that baby is Susan. I think she's too the very first to finish up her one series with a baby. No, no, I agree. I, <laughs> I, I'm not saying this is my theory. I'm saying this is a theory that I've heard out there. We don't know how long okay. time lady pregnancies last. <laughs> but also, the fact that the mother isn't reacting to the sound of the TARDIS, isn't even like just turning around mm. and going, oh, oh, what was that? I heard a noise. Mm. Like, yeah, but if she's just a human being depositing a baby on a doorstep, by the way, fucking gigantic pin for later in the middle of the night by the way clearly she doesn't want to be seen if she hears any noise be that noise caused by a gigantic spaceship being imploded or by a time machine making its signature whirring sound behind her whatever mm. the noise surely she'll turn around and go like, oh fuck i hope i'm not being spotted yeah. Well, can so I, why doesn't she? Can I raise you the vicar in the vestry who is in the church yeah. upon which a giant <laughs> yeah. goblin pirate ship crashes? It's in my notes. And it is in my the notes. Goblin King roars with the power of a thousand foghorns. Yeah. Why? It's in my notes. Why do you think he goes to the door when he does? Otherwise, that baby, it's that in damn my baby, notes. she doesn't ring the doorbell to death. Yeah, like, she leaves. The baby she is leaves winter. It. It's midnight. There's no one there. The noise. It's what alerts the vicar to the fact that there might be something yeah, outside. Yeah. And, and so, so, he, and so he walks outside door. and it's like, oh, of course it was the baby making <laughs> yes. this noise of a ship crashing onto the roof. But like, oh, I really need to talk to Greg about that doorbell. It's getting louder every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's oh shit, a tiny newborn baby. I guess whatever that noise was, we'll have to wait for tomorrow. I'll deal with this emergency first. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely not going to look around to see if an adult is around who might have left this baby so I can talk some sense into that person. Or like even just ask, what are your circumstances? Do you need help? Can I do anything for both of you? None of that. Yeah, yeah. Just, oh, baby, cool. I'll take this before anyone asks any questions. I'm going to take it inside well, the building, you. which according to my ears is falling down around me because of the <laughs> amount of cacophony. Like this several hundred years old tower must be safe as hell houses oh <sighs> so that's why my theory is it's bad writing all around i much mm. prefer that theory to yeah it's a time lady knowing exactly what's going on and cool time ladies don't look back at warping yeah also sorry mm. isn't it lazy to name a baby left on your doorstep after your doorstep this is, <laughs> it was, this, is, this, is their, this is their address 
This is their address. Every fucking baby who's left on that doorstep is going to be named Ruby. Everything that has happened. Everything. What do you want them to call her? Thicker Junior? <laughs> call her Dragon. Hang on. Wait. Hang on. Got a, got a question for you. Why is there a dragon on the door? There's a massively in-your-face dragon on the door. Because it was clearly filmed in Wales. <laughs> well, it was filmed in Newport. Yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. hang on. I take it back. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check my dragon bullet point. <laughs> okay, hang on. ages ago we brought up Davina McCall. Yes. Can yes, I ask did. a question about Davina McCall and this entire thing? In fact, I've got several problems with this. I think. Does her team literally just look for clues for one day? And follow-up point: <laughs> Did Davina McCall need to ring Ruby then? Could she not have waited just a couple of days to deliver the worst news imaginable on a day that isn't Christmas Eve or her fucking birthday? Which she knows. Oh no. Which she knows. <laughs> if she doesn't know that, spend a little bit more time doing research, Davina. <laughs> Also, how much stuff is she packing into that one day? She fell off a boat. She got trampled by a moose. She, whatever else. She's a busy woman. She's the hardest working woman in television. One day. One fucking day. How long she's does it out, take to get a cast She's filming the made? new series of The Traitors. Oh. That's Claudia Winkleman. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, but when you said that, Marie, I was like, oh yeah, that is the same person. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they are the same person. No, oh, well poor Claudia. No, Claude's is the greatest. No one can rival Claude. I thought that was like a plot hole. I was like, there's no way that she would call on Christmas Eve on her birthday. That's ridiculous. She would at least wait until after Christmas and then call her. And also it wouldn't be Davina that calls. It would be some underling. But then it's explained because she's literally (laughs) afraid for her life. She's like, I'm having accidents left, right and center. I need to talk to her as soon as possible. So I'm going to call now. I can't help but think that this has been happening since I met you. In brackets, yesterday. It's been three weeks. Oh, has it been three weeks? Okay, it's been three weeks. Yeah. Has it actually been three weeks? It's like for the past three weeks, bad luck has just been following me around, says Mm. Ruby. Forget my one day comment then. I totally misunderstood that or misremembered it. Sorry. First of all, my note is, oh, hey, intern here the week before Christmas. Go make us some tea and then call this foundling and tell us that she's never meeting her birth family. Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. Right, it's, it's tough breaking into the TV industry, but you, you've got to do everything you can. The second thing was there was a really noticeable shift for me between Davina delivering lines like she does for her genuine real life show, Long mm-hmm. Lost Family. Oh, yeah. Never seen that. Oh, I on didn't ITV. know it was a real show. Yeah, yeah. Is this like whatever that other show is called? The it's Weakest good. Link? No, presented it, by Claudia No, Winkleman. sorry, my David Suchet <laughs> radar just went ping. It was either that or a Sonic detected a diamond. But there's, a, there's another show where they check celebrities. But that's celebrity. Oh, David Ruby's that. not a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. She's not going to get true. the Sir Derek Jacobi treatment. No. <laughs> that's the only episode I've ever watched of that. <laughs> it's so amazing that you've seen the Derek Jacobi episode and I've only seen the David Suchet one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how I know Derek Jacobi is of Huguenot heritage. <laughs> Listen back to our Utopia Review podcast, Lamb. <laughs> Oh, and we'll get to him later on, by the way. Oh, really? Yes. All right. <laughs> but the point was, she delivers those lines so professionally when it's mm. like, this is what I would do in Long Lost Family. And I watched the Doctor Who Unleashed behind the scenes thing. And she said that the Doctor Who producers got in touch with the Long Lost Family producers to say, does this even vaguely resemble what you might do in the show? So they must have got it okayed by them on some level. 
Sure. But it's when Davina has to shift gears into acting mm. and actually being like, I'm really worried because for the last three weeks, and her <laughs> voice goes up two octaves way too fast and becomes really strained so fast. Marie, you're smiling like you may agree with me. Oh, I, agree, here we go. I agree entirely with you, but I don't care because it's Davina and she's lovely and <laughs> she's not an actress. And so she shouldn't be held yeah. to that standard. And I didn't mind. Fair enough. It's Christmas, Davina. We're going to exactly. let this slide. It's Christmas. Marie, as a huge fan of Davina McCall, how do you feel about the fact that before Doc showed up to pick up that tree, Davina got massively brained in front of an entire host of hotel guests? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was sobbing. There were tears coming. But I was like, Davina, my hero, you've gone forever. And so, yeah, Doc really redeemed himself when he went back in and saved uh, her. Marie, I say this with the utmost respect. Are you shitting me? Did this episode <laughs> make you cry? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> that's a yes. Oh my god. Yeah, that's not a straightforward. Wow. Wow. I, I want to say not at that point, but it was oh. a Davina scene actually. It was oh, the scene when she calls up and she says, "We've done everything we tried, but we can't find her." And I think Ruby's response is so fucking heartbreaking. She's mm. so polite. She literally apologizes to Davina. She's, oh, I'm so sorry I wasted your time. She's just so lovely. And I really felt, I'm welling up right now, I felt the emotion coming from her and I felt her feeling like she probably wasn't even massively looking for her parents. She probably didn't think it was possible. And then suddenly it's dangled in front of you and someone comes to you that you trust, that you've seen on TV, and they go, I can work miracles. I'll check your blood and we'll find them. And we've got a database of millions of people and they'll definitely be on there. And then that realization that it's all over, this dream that you've held for the last three weeks is gone. And I yeah. thought that was such a powerful <laughs> moment. It actually and really did that, make me well you, up. You see something pierce to the very heart of a good egg. Yeah. And that's something yeah. like you can only tear up when you get behind a character. And that you're doing that in her first episode. Yeah. Well done, yeah. Molly Gibson. Absolutely. She's awesome. She's really fucking awesome, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then came up again when her mom is like asking, oh, something's gone on here. What's wrong? And she's like, I've had a bad day. And then she's trying to bluff because she can't tell her, oh, wait, I was on an alien spaceship and goblins nearly ate this baby. So she goes to the thing that is true when she says, hey, the results came back and I didn't find my parents. And again, that was so heartfelt between the two of them. Yeah, I just think that whole topic was handled so beautifully. It really hit quite hard. Agreed. I've made a note of that being almost the saving grace of what seemed to be a downturn for acting talents or acting quality in the episode, though. Ooh. Because I think she's a fantastic actor, as is Chuty, by the way. And we've mm. had both of them really delivering high-caliber acting up yep. until the point where suddenly the mum returns. Mm. And there's like a good minutes or minute and a half or something where the acting quality just goes straight down the toilet. Mm. And it is absolutely ridiculously bad. For some reason, it devolves into slapstick and mm. for no reason. There's no reason they have to block the wave into the kids' room and all that. That entire scene where they're both so awkwardly trying to think of an excuse for the mum when they don't need to deliver one mm. is incredibly poorly done. And then RTD's just written a beautiful hook back into something that actually resonates with us, with the audience emotionally. And she goes straight back into great acting. Mm. 
See, my note for that little interstice was, oh, I love the immediate sotto voce bonding larks. Wait, you love that? I would like to. Why are they doing that, though? Why are they doing that? Because it's Christmas. I don't know. But they don't need to do that. Oh, goodness. What if the mum sees that there's, no, there's a room there. There's nothing different about, there's no reason for them to have, oh. Dark nabbit. I think the same I'm more air on your side Leon that it wasn't my favourite scene but it was like oh I guess they're still looking out the window they still don't know whether the goblins are going to come into the room and try something so they're trying to like it's just instinct of like, oh no, mom, don't look at this. It will upset you. And I get that, that like you'd want to shield your parent from it. But on the other yeah, hand, but what's like, going to upset her? Nothing's changed in that room. Goblin, or rather, it has changed, but it's changed appear. back to normal. But if a goblin might appear, don't turn your back on that room. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> keep a very vigilant eye. Make sure the mum comes in as well. Yeah, like, there's absolutely in this room. no reason. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to be like, oh no, don't look in here because there's nothing different about that room. It makes no sense to me. True. Here's something I didn't know. Cast list note while we're here. The woman who plays Carla, Michelle Greenidge, isn't It's a Sin alumna. <gasps> wait, is she the mum? Is Carla the mum? Yes. Who is she in It's a Sin? She played Rosa Babatunde in three episodes. Were they parts four and above? Because <laughs> I only watched the first three episodes. I think there are only five, so no. Ah, <laughs> I've just forgotten the character. I can't remember either. I loved it, Sassin, though. I really did. Maybe I only watched the first two, but yeah, no, I loved it as well. Absolutely hot. Well, not enough to God. watch three episodes. No, I was well, three I hours was pro- of your life. <laughs> I promised Kat wanted to watch it, and I was like, okay, fine. I'm not going to watch this a second time for at least a few years when the trauma has settled in my mind. So, yeah, let's catch up together, and we just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to just say about Davina McCall. You said that she was part of the scene that made Molly cry. That was partly why I was surprised when the acting slipped. Because in that scene, yes, she's delivering lines like she would on a TV show, but she is having to act. There's not no acting in that performance. And then when it comes to a point where she must get self-conscious and be like, okay, here's something out of my comfort zone. Oh, yeah, true. But yeah, overall it was fine. Yeah, that's so. I enjoyed it, Davina. If you're listening, I thought you were great. Good first acting job. I couldn't. Not do the first time she's been on Doctor Who. Really? No. We had, she did some voice acting. We had robot Davina McCall in Bad Wolf. Oh, or, right. or on Bad Wolf, the space station or satellite, whatever it was. Yeah. That's so interesting. Why do they love Davina so much? Other presenters are available. I can tell you why. This was oh? made clear by RTD himself in Doctor Who Unleashed. When Doctor Who won the BAFTA in 2006, Davina McCall presented him with the award. Mm. Nice. And he clearly loved her already, but that was the reason he gave. Well, what's behind not the to love? We all <laughs> yeah. love Davina. Come on. Everyone's a Davina fan. Yeah. Anyone want to talk at Goblins? Yeah. I would like to start with the line quoting from the episode, even a leaky old goblin ship has the equivalent of ventilation shafts which is said as if it is gospel or true in any way, carries any weight, is not a sop, covering up terrible writing. Terrible, 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 (laughs) terrible, tapestry be damned. It also wasn't necessary. No, because all the goblins are gathered, ready for the feast, clearly not giving a toss about what's going on, they think, in the brig. And so, yeah, they could very easily, in fact, walking around the ship would surely creak far less than them shimmying and crawling through the shafts directly above the goblins' heads where you know, splinters are falling down on them. It's like, what's going on? They're too tall to walk around the ship. 
Stoop. The ship's the ship's made for tiny to... tiny goblins. Then well, why are the ventilation shafts exactly, so large? Exactly. Why are the ventilation <laughs> shafts even more capacious than the corridors? <laughs> the ventilation shafts are nothing but like alternative corridors for them to go down. Yeah. In fact, the goblins are too humble. They're like, oh dear, only the goblin king is worthy of walking down these enormous spaces. <laughs> Oh, I hate those goblins. The goblins here are shit even by Christmas special standards. No, no, incorrect. The goblins are great. You're wrong. Okay, explain why. Explain why, please. I mean, they're so cute. Usually I hate what? Uh, cute. What I expect. No, 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 no. It, it justified that statement. Big they eyes. Can't, you can't justify cute. They've got big eyes. They've got little cute fingers. I don't know. I like the goblins. I dislike the singing and all the other things, but the goblins themselves I don't have a problem with. The goblins are toilet trolls. No. Okay, why are there three different types of goblins? And also, what the fuck is a goblin? Either it's... (laughs) It gobbles things. It was explained. Well, the king does, the and king then everybody does. else gets to eat what? A baby isn't going to feed that king. All juicy coincidence tastiness on top will amount to very little extra. What's left for the hundred or so that are gathered? You see, this is why the whole, oh, they feast on coincidence and coincidence just being the seasoning, and couldn't you just season anything logic also, plays in they here? they then dump a load of seasoning over that baby throughout the entire song, <laughs> so it's not seasoned very well. <laughs> yeah, also true. They do. Also true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's diabolical. What sprang to mind was the conversation that we had in, I was going to say Azkaban. It's the rings of a carton. Mm. Uh, (laughs) This is a carton, isn't it? Where the economy is based around the sentimental value that you apply to an object. Yeah, and you give it sacrificial offerings. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the conversation we had, in fact, I'm pretty sure the argument you made, Marie, was, (gasps) you know what? Fuck this form of economy, because clearly, couldn't you just apply sentimentality to literally anything? Like, you could be a very rich person if you just said, I'm really a Attached to this one rock or something to that effect. Yeah, I remember that about three and a half hours in. Yeah. yeah. Listen to the trailer for Who Back When. I'm just saying, it's in there. But anyway. I can't believe I would have ever been so callous. You can't have <laughs> sentimentality to anything. You've got to really feel but so it. So we have three different types of goblins anyway. We've got the Goblin King, who's a gigantic jab of the heart, yes. who doesn't speak. All he does is just sit <laughs> at the end of a conveyor belt. Very disappointed that he wasn't Bowie. I really expect it. As soon as they said Goblin King, I was like, oh, yes, we're in. Yes, we're going <laughs> like, to get Trouser Bulge. Land. Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> yeah. a Trouser Bulge. There was yes. no bulge. Or it was all bulge. <laughs> yeah, he's all bulge. The spire just pierces his scrotum. That is just <laughs> one gigantic Trouser Bulge with a big mouth on it. Anyway, so we've got that King Goblin. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the regular Goblins who just, they are in pirates cosplay. They don't really speak. They just hiss. No, no, because they do oh, speak. He makes me swoon. He, he yeah. speaks plenty good enough. I was, yeah, you're right. I did note that as well. So one exception, but the rest of them don't seem particularly verbose. They're not given any kind of personality or distinguishing features whatsoever. No. And then there's a band. Fuck that band. Oh, I'm so upset by that band. There's a band. There is a band, you guys. There is a band in this episode, oh, and I they sing in English with human believe, instruments. What the fuck is happening? I don't believe that the band is a different type of goblin. Though. They're just goblins with musical talent. Okay, that is yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, that is true. But it does seem to represent a different form of culture within this otherwise very homogenous group. Homogenous aside from the gigantic Jabba the Hutt king. You gotta give the people something. You gotta jazz them up. You gotta give them something to like work towards. They're not do feasting you on the got baby. To? <laughs> you do got to. They're not feasting on the baby, but they still gotta go and steal the baby for the king. So we jazz them up with music, and everyone's like, "Yeah, cool, festivities." Okay, hands up. Who enjoyed the musical interlude? <laughs> 
Okay, that's six hands down towards the floor as far as they'll possibly go. <laughs> yeah. Firmly I, I had a quick lunch break with a colleague of mine just the other day, and I asked about exactly this because she's a massive nerd, and she said she freaking loved it. When no. I looked around the internet, I found Ooh. so many people who were just like, oh, so good, so refreshing. Oh my God, it's so happy-go-lucky. All of you, you're wrong. You're just like, you're what? just plain wrong. I'm very happy for people to have different opinions, but sometimes they're just really bad opinions. Those you know opinions what else? Suck. They're terrible. These opinions are not just confined to fans. In the Doctor Who Unleashed, and I get that it's promo fluff puff piece as much as anything, but... They made a point of saying, both Shooty and Molly, I think, when the song was first sung or read out at the table read, we loved it. It oh, was brilliant. I call horseshit. Yeah. That is not true. Nah. Did Shooty say that? I don't call horseshit. I bet it's really fun as an actor to be like, oh, hey, cool, I'm going to get to go and sing and dance. I don't know. It's a very different thing to be yeah. in it versus watching well, it, I think. That's fine. <laughs> when you're like, here comes the song. And you're like, oh, great. I'm tingling with anticipation. And it's like, nice to deedly deet you. Oh, shit. As an actor, that's going to be the millstone around my career from now on. Brilliant. Yeah, but also all of these people the surely... If it was really well thought yeah, through Except make it up on the spot has been pre-scripted. Okay, surely everyone who's in this show, surely Shooty and Molly Gibson have watched Doctor Who. They uh, know uh, what this is. I wanted to bring up the point that Shooty says when he's asked how he prepared for the role, he says he watched some classic serials mm. and some new Who shows as well. He said, definitely wanted to gauge the source of the other Doctors and then figure out a way to try and make it my own, which I think is very encouraging. And it's not what happened with Jodie or Sasha Dewan as the master. So this is a positive step. I didn't know that. I just wanted to put that in there because that's where it now is anyway. Completely understand why you read something positive into that. I also read a little bit of positivity from that. But oh, wasn't it amazing when like the biggest Doctor Who fan in the world became the Doctor? Mm. When Capaldi became the Doctor, and you're like, oh my god, this person has lived and breathed this character since he was a child. Wasn't that something wonderful? Yes, you, it absolutely was. Literally shared an article today about how Capaldi lived and breathed Doctor Who. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like a full-page article in, I don't know, the Scottish Mirror or something, saying that the super fan who meets all the actors, and he's been taping it for five years, and if Peter Capaldi had only been eight years older, there wouldn't be any missing episodes of Doctor Who, because he would have taped oh. every single one since oh. the beginning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, Capaldi. Oh, God. All right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if okay, you were casting it's... exclusively on how big of a Doctor Who fan are you, you it cast would be JD. a very different show. <laughs> yeah. mm. Okay, that is also very true, but... <sighs> I don't know. I already said before, I thought Shooty did a fantastic job and he's a great actor, Molly Ditto. But I, we're fans of the show and we watch it on a semi-religious level. <laughs> it seems ridiculous to not expect at least something close to that from the people who are freaking in it. Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to I'm not going to judge know. them like negatively based question, on that. And I feel like that's not necessarily true. There are so many people that make film adaptations of books and are like, I didn't read the book because I want to come to this fresh and I want to see this as yeah, yeah. I read the script and I make it from that rather than being bogged down with the previous versions. I don't think you sure. necessarily have to watch all of the back catalogue to be a good doctor. And I think Judy is a good doctor. No, that's also fair. And you're right about that. And I agree with yeah, you. And there's far too much information to take in and you'd end up second guessing yourself 
and carrying far too much around when you're trying to remember a line. We wouldn't have an episode because he'd still be watching them if we were waiting for him to catch up. <laughs> exactly. I think you'll find that it only takes 10 years to go through the series. But anyway, <laughs> as I said from the start, I commend both of them on their acting. So this is in no way judging them negatively based on it. But what I originally wanted to say about this was, quote unquote, surely you're familiar enough with a show that when you read those pages, when you read sides that say, yeah, and then you go into this song and there's a musical interlude about blah, 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 wouldn't you diddly diddly deet you? I can't remember what it fucking, I fucking hate this song. When you read those sides, surely in your mind you go, Oh, this is a departure from something, yeah, like something sacred. The line is shooty saying, because the Goblin King, oh, the Goblin King, it's so good to meet you, you great big thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> worthy of the Doctor, 100%. The thing is... This guy's a million years old. Is that what he knows 57 learned? billion languages. Yeah. You're putting a lot of emphasis on Gatwa and Gibson, Molly Gibson, to be the ones to be like, oh, no, we don't think that actually this is fitting with the show. RTD is the super fan that you're talking about. He has a history with the show. Yeah. He knows this. Yeah, if no, you're going to blame anyone, blame him. Really. Oh, oh. oh we do. <laughs> We're not letting him off. No. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely his fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Make no mistake. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> the delusion of this man walking in to shoot your Molly. These poor people who are new to the roles. The power dynamics there. Of course they're not going to be like, you know what? This is terrible. Either you redraft this or I walk. That's not yeah. happening. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> he is Doctor Who at this point. If you don't like it, you get yeah. recast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Maybe maybe Molly was the one who was like, This is bullshit. And look what happened. She got recast. You're out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ten a penny, new companion yeah, but... every week. <laughs> okay, so there was another thing about the Goblin King. Oh yeah. He's physically real. Yep. He oh, really? was operated by five different puppeteers within Whoa. his depths. And there was another guy in remote control operating the eyes and the ears. Interesting. You know what? Unemployment is at high levels, even if it's something that fucks with this show and makes this episode <laughs> an utter pile of dog shit. If it employs five people, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah I was also going to say, and this is what I found more surprising, that there were 12 real, not short people, but shortish people in goblin costumes. A significant proportion of that goblin crowd was not CGI, and oh, yet wow. I could not tell. I assumed no one was CGI. Oh, you assumed, assumed it was all everyone real? Everyone was yeah. CGI. Oh, okay. Because yeah. oh, okay. they mm. didn't look that alien. They looked like regular people with makeup and pirate outfits. That's what a lot of them were. And then I guess they were duplicated digitally after that. Oh, okay. in the disco scene where there are like probably hundreds of them. Yeah. That makes sense. There would be some CGI, but yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Four hours in makeup. That's the last of my Whoa. Unleashed tip. Oh, wow. Four hours spent. Four well hours. done, you guys. <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't tell oh, well it wasn't done. CGI. Anyway. I find it interesting how critical you are of this song that people made up on the spot drew do you think that you could make something up on the spot quite so <laughs> sexy well, marie asked me this offline so oh. I, i'm not making this conversation up off the spot even but <laughs> sounded a lot less forced when i asked it the first time i'm so sorry <laughs> way to go davina <laughs> love you <laughs> But anyway, the point was, I was like, it's beneath the Doctor, and I'm not companion material. And Marie said, oh, you're companion material. And I said, oh, that's very kind of you to say. You um, were saying that you did have to make up songs on the podcast, and that Nick would make I, you make up songs. And I thought that was a really fun fact. So. Yeah, if you go back to some of the, maybe some of the early bloops as well, because a lot of them got cut because they were terrible. But when you remember... <laughs> 
some of the jingles Nick was like we can improve on this we can be funny Drew go and then I'd have to make up something terrible and I said and now we're done being funny and now we'll review this and it was always <laughs> awful I kind of don't remember that <laughs> good Wait, because was it was that? cut it was cut from history go back and listen to the bloopers then but yeah yes, the, the early say, bloops harder, oh I'm absolutely going back to that it's harder than it looks to just yes, hard again to this was scripted <laughs> okay well. I understand that the characters experienced this immediately sans preparation but this was scripted yeah scripted to sound like they just made it up on the spot though it can't be super polished they're not like well ruby is a bit of a musician but only the keyboardist oh yeah that's why she's not <laughs> taking lead i think they're both like really good singers and they clearly have fantastic musical talent based on this totally ad hoc improvised performance I just feel like it's mal placé. I don't think that it belongs in Doctor Who. Yeah. My fact that was about to blow Marie's mind was that clearly, while they are trying to sound like the characters are improvising, they loved the lyrics that they had come up with enough to release this as a Christmas single to try and nab the Christmas number one spot. I'm aware. I didn't know this. I knew this. this, I knew this. It, it makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> This will calm the bile in your throat. These songs, release date and visibility, saw contemporary press discuss it as a contender for the Christmas number one in the UK. The song did not make the main UK single chart. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, all right. why, would yeah. why would it? It's trash. And also, isn't this what we're going to remember from this episode? No. This is yeah. the one thing that will lodge in our memories exactly. 20 years from now. Oh, yeah, it's the one with the awful song. <laughs> you mentioned not too long ago, Drew, that you had to endure the return of Dr. Mysterio. Yes, I did. In front of family members. Yes. Or was it in-laws? It was my sister, my dad, and his partner. So all the available nuclear-ish family at that time. Yeah. They just learned that I was on the podcast. They were like, <laughs> what's this thing? This Doctor Who thing. You're devoting so much time to. Let's all sit down together and appraise slash enjoy it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you have my eternal sympathy for having had to go through that experience. That but, is traumatic. And frankly, no one deserves to go through that. Now, just <laughs> sit back and consider that I had to endure this fucking song in a room with my mother-in-law-ish. I, I watched this with Kat oh. and her mum. Oh. Fuck this episode. Fuck that song. Oh. This song. Oh, God. I'm going to add so many bleeps to this episode. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. No. It ruined everything. Yeah. Absolutely. My heart goes out to you because I have experienced this. Not yeah. with this song. That must have been such an acutely embarrassing moment. I know your name and you know my name, but if we didn't, we should be in a circle somewhere in, <laughs> a, in a sports hall. <laughs> but embarrassing group. scenes anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like somehow I've got onto the position of defending the song and I want to mm -hmm. make sure that you understand that I also hated the song and it was obviously a low point for the whole thing. I do not <laughs> like this. In fact, I've blocked it from my mind. It surprised me the second time I watched it. I was like, oh, this thing again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making that clear. I'm glad. <laughs> But I do have one more thing to bring up about the song, which no mm -hmm. one's mentioned yet. I wondered whether someone else would have said anything, but nobody has. Oh. There is a line in this song that oh. I wrote it down. Let me find it. And I didn't pick this out. Jim noticed it the first time and I told him he was an idiot and he'd obviously misheard it. And then we rewound it and we watched it again and he was correct. And then I was like, no, we maybe we both misheard it. And so we Googled the lyrics and it was correct. He calls her Rose. Uh, what really? The doctor. I thought he called her Rubes. Me and Rubes, no, we got I'm... just one hope. 
No, he says me and Rose, we got just one hope. It literally, he says Rose. Me and Rose, we got just one hope. And I looked at really? the lyrics. Oh, not the lyrics, but the website where you can get the script and everything. We went the to transcript. that and checked. Yeah, and it said Rose. That is redonkulous. I'm pointing to Chagatea. It says Rubes. The thing is, I reacted to that line as well, but I reacted to that as why does he know to call her Rubes? That nickname has been used, but in his absence. Only the neighbor, Mrs. Flood, has called her Rubes. Hey, Rubes, it's your birthday, isn't it? How does he know to rush to Davina McCall's aid as well, by the way? Yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That is Skipping such a ahead. good point. I had not considered that. <laughs> oh, I'm angry now. <laughs> it doesn't. He doesn't say rubes. Rubes wouldn't rhyme. It says me and Rose. We have just one hope. It wouldn't say rubes. Now nah, hope and rhymes with rope. Rhyme. It's not yeah. rose rhymes rhyme with rope. It's hope mm. is rope. I'm also pretty I'm sure it's Rubes and the website that you looked at maybe had transcribed it wrong. Jim showed us the transcript website that you apparently use all the time, Leon, and we looked it up on the day it was released, and that's, that's what it Chakotea, said. That's so Chakotea. If it's now and being we changed... We literally just looked at it now. They've corrected it, clearly. They must have Or did, they've changed it. Yeah. It sounds like Rose to me. Rose! Yeah. Either way, it's an odd line. If it's Rose, you're wrong. And if it's Rubes, you don't know this person. <laughs> but that was going to be my question is, is it just a fuck up? Did he just accidentally say Rose and it didn't get caught and it went through? Or was it intentional to make us oh. think about Rose and associate him with Is RTD like, is, doing like a George a Lucas? <laughs> it's intentional. Exactly. It rhymes. But I can I imagine it, that something. being something that RTD would do that was like, oh, Rose is my favourite character that I ever wrote and I'm going to bring her back somehow. <laughs> it basically made out the Doctor that he's obsessed with Rose. He still hasn't got over her. All these companions in the meantime, but he just can't help but think about Rose. And everything I read about Ruby Sunday after the first time I watched the episode after Christmas, it was all comparing her to Rose and they were all like, oh, she's the new Rose. And so I don't know if it's trying to solidify that connection almost. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Which I disagree oh, Maybe. I thought it was Rubes, but I, I, I may very well be mistaken. I tried again today because I had the same thought today. I was like, maybe he says Rubes. And I was listening today when I rewatched it to see whether I'd misheard it the first time. And it sounded so much like Rose to me. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I'll watch uh, it again. Maybe you're right. I have to just happy that we're talking about song again, just to... <laughs> oh, heartwarmingly dreadful in the sense that your heart is set ablaze with all <laughs> the fires of hell. Yeah, heart burning song. <laughs> <laughs> My final note about the song was that if you watch the lips of the goblin singer and they cut to her very quickly and briefly and infrequently, Janice Goblin. Is that her actual that name? That is her actual name. Does God it, how does he know it. that she's called Janice? That's so ridiculous. He's, yeah, Janice. why does he know that? Hit it up, Janice. He doesn't know. Fuck that. And then they go along with it and they're like, here's a plan to get away. Just stay there while we do. And it's goodness sake, everybody does. But my point was, a lot of the other goblins, their mouth movements match their lines. And seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff, like they were doing interviews with one of the goblins, who also played Poe in the Teletubbies, and you could very clearly lip-read what she was saying because the makeup allowed it. So Janice mm. is clearly all CGI, and at no point in the song do Wait. her lip movements match up with the lip. Wait, Janice is CGI? Oh, 100%. Really? Like I said, I didn't realise that any of them were CGI. That's mad to me. Well, if she isn't, then why aren't the mouth movements matching up once, even coincidentally? Because this is all bad. a playback. They're not singing live on set. It's just like a bunch of people wearing shit makeup in a shit scene. Nice, no, very good makeup. I just told you. Yeah, but it's not good enough to allow them to properly sync their lips with whatever's going on. And then they've recorded this in a studio. 
sans makeup, by the way, when they're able to deliver plosives and it's yeah. normal, and then they just lip sync to it. Oh, what a terrible addition to this episode. Yes. And RTD said also, now that we've done this once, I want to keep this going. RTD, no, you're wrong. He didn't. Okay, you're wrong. Yeah, he'd be happy repeating it. Really? Perhaps even <sighs> making it a bigger part. Maybe a whole episode. Well, no, this, this no. is it, right? Like, I don't believe We already you. know that there's going to be a musical episode with the Beatles. By the way, we really? got a... I can't remember if this was a, another listener mini or a comment on the website or on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. I'm so sorry, podcast now. I'm so sorry. But someone said there are musical episodes in lots of different franchises and it's great. It's great when we get them as a one-off. I agree. The Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I know was an episode that was quoted in that tweet or email or whatever it was. I agree. The musical episode of Buffy is fantastic. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was four whole series of musical episodes, two of which were excellent and two of which were fine. But the difference is you're going into a show there that is that. Okay. This is a show that isn't that. Buffy is a show that mm. was a show that wasn't that. But there was a one-off musical episode where the whole conceit of that particular episode's arc was, oh, now a curse has made everyone sing. Great. Hilarious. That's really good because we know all the characters and isn't it going to be fun to have them just have a jolly for a fortnight? Yeah. Scrubs did one as well, Scrubs. I think. Where... Yeah. Also, yeah. great example. Uh, yeah. But here we've had it in the intro episode. We know that there's a musical episode with the Beatles coming up. She's in a band, so that feels like this is going to be a mm. recurring thing. There's a jukebox in the TARDIS. Feels like music is going to be mm. kind of a thing. It's not for me. It's for lots of people, but that's not what Doctor Who is for me. This is why RTD upsets me. And the other thing that upsets me is... Did you see that interview with him about the bi-generation thing? And he was like... <laughs> oh, we yeah, discussed this, yeah. yeah absolutely. Every other Doctor also bi-generated at the same time. It was like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's just like a billion Doctors out there now. Everyone's just splitting in two yeah. forever. That's nonsense. Don't just start I, rewriting history. I totally agree with you. Oh my goodness, do I agree with you. Sorry, we've already said this on the show, but this is the same interview context or audio track or whatever it is, the recording that they did in which he name checks the Spider-Verse, where he Ugh. goes, why not just have the Doctor-Verse? Audiences understand what this is, Gross. so let's just have the Doctor-Verse. Everyone had a bi-generation. No, Spider-Verse, part of Marvel, owned by Disney, new person somehow owning a lot of the rights. <laughs> I don't like this. I'm not on board for everyone having had a bi-generation. No. Yeah. I feel like he's just in this position now where he's like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And I want a musical episode. I'm just going to do a musical episode. And who's going to stop me? Seeing him in that interview, it felt like he just made it on the spot without thinking what the consequences would be for the rest of the show. Well, yeah. I think he has thought about this more than that. I think a lot of this goes back to the salt shaking, the line of salt at the edge of the universe where David Tennant's like, oh no. I've relaxed the rules. Different things will come in. And I honestly think it's a coward's way out of mm. the need for internal logic or storytelling rigor. Yes, I want Doctor Who to be looser and more fun and playful. But at the same time, I want to give myself license to pass off literally anything as acceptable because I've dropped this line in here. And at the end, when the ship just disintegrates, it's fine. We've accrued enough footage. There's no narrative end there, but the trouble just goes away because we can say it does. And then Mrs. Flood can drop some fourth wall bombs because we're a TV show and it's fine to just be a TV show and making this a story that hangs together in itself. It's just too much work, man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
Oh, I'm humming with annoyance right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I put the line of salt at the edge of the universe. So who's got the upper hand, eh? Oh, uh, everyone knows that if you put a line of salt at the edge of the universe, then that fucks up a franchise. No, no <laughs> I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I'm sorry. So Mrs. That. Flood, there's a lot of chat about the mystery that Mrs. Flood represents. Everybody yeah. was like, oh, yeah, she clearly is familiar with the TARDIS. She knows exactly what one is. She takes it in her stride, everything that happens, even though she's arguing with Abdul about it at the beginning. That's clearly a front. So she's deceitful as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. But there's only so much honesty required when interacting with a terrible actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, he didn't set the show on fire in a good way. Wow, that person no. who played Abdul, I don't care. Don't tell me. Not I, even gonna look. I don't. No, don't look it I up. I don't want this to get personal. Exactly. Unlimited <laughs> bandwidth. Be damned. Don't waste internet on it. Terrible actor. <laughs> Oh. Thanks for listening. Maybe he was just overawed at having to act opposite Anita Dobson. Soap royalty. Mm. Who is Anita Dobson? Anita Dobson used to play Angie Watts in EastEnders. Her show, the 1986 Christmas special, the most watched drama show in UK TV history. What? Still? First ratings. 30 wow. million. Wow. That's the, like, killed Dirty Dan scandal. It was all wrapped up in that, yeah. Oh, interesting. I was going to say, it's like, but I am your mum, or whatever it is. No, oh, that's no. Cat Slater. That what are you talking way about? later. <laughs> I don't watch soaps, You need okay? your EastEnders history. Doctor Who is the closest dating. thing to a soap that I watch. <laughs> Especially when RTD's writing it. <laughs> Does anyone have any theories about Mrs. Flood? No. No, no. And I resent having to have theories at this point. I was enjoying Mrs. Flood. I thought she was a great little character. She was like, oh, what is this blue box? Oh, I'm so confused. And then she saw it evaporating and she took it in a stride. And then she like plonked herself at the end of the road, just watching what was going on. And she was adorable. And I loved her. And I was really pleased that she was there. <laughs> and she was like, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the show. And then they put that really? fucking... No, okay. That's obviously an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. But I had no qualms with her. And then they put that fucking post-credit thing at the end when she's talking to the camera and she's like, oh, have you seen a TARDIS before? And it just ruined everything. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why do you need to do that? Why can't it just evolve naturally? Why can't she have a bigger role in next week's episode or like whenever it becomes relevant, bring it in? You don't have to show all just your cards set up, up arcs, front. Set up arcs. People yeah. don't have any patience anymore. It's uh, very much the, like the J.K. Enough... Rowling model of storywriting, the... isn't it? Because I read Azkaban. I read one of the Harry Potter books and I could see from almost page one, she's like, I'm setting up three different things. Okay, I'm telling you what one thing is and now I'm setting up another mystery. So you're always <laughs> asking two or three questions and that that's how she pulled you through the book, even though it wasn't any good. And that's what's happening here. But I just I feel like there's enough <laughs> going on. We have a new doctor, we have a new companion, there's a mystery surrounding her mother, there's really cute side characters, like the mum and the grandma are adorable. Yeah. Like, oh, she just nice wants a cup of tea. Setup. She just wants a bloody cup of tea. Why will nobody make her a cup of tea? Master Lord, give her a cup of tea. <laughs> By the way, she's the best character of this entire episode. She's great. Yeah. She's no, she's, so she excellent. is the Steve yeah. Buscemi and Conair of this episode. I love her. <laughs> However, can I ask, people watching this episode in the States, for example, do you think that this is the first episode they're watching? Or did they also watch the 60th anniversary specials? Because the 60th anniversary specials set up a whole bunch of potential foes, including someone picking up the master tooth and all mm. that jazz. True. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, there's already a thing exactly. that can be picked up on. You don't need an extra one. Exactly. And is this meant to supplant that or is this a continuation of that? Are we meant to think, oh, know. was that her picking up the tooth? Was she in the tooth? Is she the master? Is she the Rani? Whatever. This is what I mean when I say RTD just wants us to theorize. He doesn't care how at cross purposes the talk and chat and buzz is. He just wants there to be more of it. Oh. He's the ultimate this is why. This is why I refuse to engage with it. I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, the episode finished when we <laughs> walked into the TARDIS and the Doctor was like, I'm the Doctor. Come and check out my TARDIS with me. That was it. End scene. I don't care about the TARDIS. There's never been a good mid-credit sequence. Like I remember there was no. one in the flux where Vinda was there, and there were others as well. And all they are are just annoyances. Mm. Every single time they, they just haven't really what's gone before. Yeah, they haven't really figured yeah. out how credit sequences work. Well, they have yet. because it's Marvel. It's, it's a Marvel, Marvel influence. Yeah, it's a Marvel influence. Yeah, but they're tr- and the they're trying to do it, but they're not annoy Marvel. me so much as well. Every fucking time yeah. a Marvel one comes on, I'm like, no, I'm out of here. I can't watch this. This is dreadful. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> But also, it's as though they realize the audience's attention span doesn't even stretch as far as mid-credits. This was Mm. episode ends. Immediately, we get to know new home, new doctor, Disney+. Plus. Mm. Cut immediately to this, quote, mid-credit sequence. That's not a mid-credit sequence. We haven't even entered the credits yet. It's a pre-credit sequence, but it's a post-episode sequence. It makes no sense. None of it. Lazy. Can I cut through Lazy. with a theory about Mrs. Flo? Please do. If because you we've seen this before. Oh, well. You cast a well-known face. Sometimes it's a national soap treasure. Sometimes it's a paragon of acting. You want to give them the stage, give them a turnabout. I know Fuck. what you're getting at. But they're old, right? <laughs> so once the heavy lifting happens, just slip in a quick regeneration and... <laughs> Mrs. Flood will become someone much younger. The Rani, played by a 30-something, and Rani may even turn out to mean overflowing Hungarian. Or Rani will stand for really annoying new interloper. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's who it will be. We saw it with Derek Jacobi as the master, and Mm. that's who Anita Dobson will ultimately be setting the stage for. I don't think she's going to bring it home herself. Oh my god, I mean the sparkles and butterflies... I hope that I that's felt not true. when I realized this was the culmination of you setting that up at the start of this episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marie. I just talked over you. I'm so sorry. I just desperately hope that's not true. I hope that we get Anita Dobson. I don't want her to just disappear and be replaced by a younger person. There's enough young people. It's a very young doctor and a young companion. Yeah. Can't we have some that's a good old point. people in here. You were the one who wanted Helen Mirren to be the doctor. Was I? I would still have yeah. thought that. Nothing wrong with that. Be great. <laughs> I stand by It'd it. Be great. <laughs> Of her right. appearance in The Fast and the Furious, that is peak Helen Mirren. <laughs> is that, is that, are you winding me up as Helen Mirren being in The Fast and was in Red, Furious. great. <laughs> oh, and Red too. I don't know what's happening now. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Helen Mirren is absolute... Okay. Red a, too. This time it's redder. <laughs> total legend, absolutely. Battery power in the gloves. All the mass and density and mavity in the glove. Not a fan, Marie? More mavity. I know what we have to talk about. The mother. I wish I knew her name. Carla. Um, oh Carla. no, as in Ruby's mother. Or yeah, Ruby's mom. Foster mother. Yeah. Which mother? Because she's got her the mother, mother who not walked a, away. N- not Ruby's, her birth mother. Her Ruby's mom. mom. Ruby's the yeah. mother Stop that just she saying grew the same with. thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, no. We're not talking about whoever the it is the, in the snow. One of the three queens of the sky. The middle queen of the sky. Gotcha. Gotcha. The gorgeous one. Again, that was another really incredibly moving scene that I adored. 
was after we've had all the adrenaline and the rush and oh we saved it and then the crack in the wall and then doc leaves and then he comes back and suddenly boom everything's changed and it's suddenly super dark and depressing and this what up until now has been the most caring wholesome like she just exudes motherliness and maternal instinct has now become an incredibly cold woman who's i only foster for money I felt like that was so well done and that was so like really impactful. Yes. I, I agree. I oh, really, really I thought loved it was it. incredibly well delivered. I think she is, if not the best, she's surely among the best actors in this episode because she delivers both sides of that emotional yeah. spectrum. But I yeah. thought after that shift, her character was really poorly written. She turned Why? into a cliche. She, she did incredibly mm. well with it, but it, she turned into a cliche. Michelle Green. She was she was a cliche, but I think it was like almost, oh, maybe I'm giving RTD too much credit now, but I took it as like it was deliberate. She was this very cold, everything about my life sucks and I only do this for money and literally zero emotion and it was almost like not human. And then there was a line, she was like, oh, I'm the happiest when I'm alone. And he turns and he's like, well, why are you crying then? And it's almost, she's not putting on because I think she believes it, but it's not natural to her. And there's somewhere hidden inside is this memory of this person that she could be or this person that's missing from her yeah, life. Yeah, you're right. Very and I felt that true. loss. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They've done that before. So. Like the ripples across the timelines haven't quite caught up yet. So yeah. there's exactly. something, some emotional resonance still left. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. So she was very yeah. like cold and she didn't ever make eye contact with Gatwa. Like she was always slightly looking down to where his eye level would be. And I think it was this detachment from like reality almost. I thought it was really well done. Mm. I know what you're saying, Leon. It was very on the nose how much of a counterpoint the changed Carla was providing to the original Carla. But I did think she delivered it super well. Yeah, I agree. And also the profundity of that personal tragedy. If mm. she ends up being that way, if she ends up having that former life torn away from her by the goblins, suddenly the show actually has proper emotional stakes. Before it's been a laugh and everybody's been careening about. But here we're sitting with it and dwelling in it. And it's like flipping out. This is really kind of life or death stuff. And I thought it was a really good advert for fostering. I'm not going to go too much into my family situation, but there's fostering in the air. And you think, who could ever do that? Who could ever take on another kid full time? Like, everybody's too busy. I understand when she says that's a nightmare. This brat is ruining my holiday. But then mm. you've just seen how fulfilling, invigorating all the chaos was before and bustling to the shops just before Christmas. She's not moaning about it. She's just living her best life. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if people started Googling afterwards, how can I foster? How can I adopt? And I think if they did, then that's a good service of this show. Okay. Sorry, I head all over trying to find a point in that great field of words. <laughs> no, that, that's all super valid. All right, personally, I feel like this character, who was a great character, there aren't that many characters in this episode, but certainly one of my top characters, I feel like she was abandoned once her timeline was changed, because even when it changed back, she had no real agency. She just yazzes all over the place when she is turned back to normal. First, she turns into a pastiche of a just negatively inclined foster mum. And then she turns into almost a non-mum. All she does is ask questions. And Ruby doesn't... Even when Ruby realizes that she's leaving, 
oh, there's a time traveler out there. I'm going to go. I'm going to leave this life. I'm, I'm going to literally you. abandon you. I will abandon you. Exactly. Mum, whom I love, she doesn't even say goodbye. She kisses her on the cheek and then she just bolts. She doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know how long she's going to be away. She knows she's going off on an adventure. She knows that she's not going to be back right away. Presumably, she hasn't already had the thought process of, yeah, but he's a time traveler, so I can come back to this moment. But she just leaves. And I've made a note of everything that the mum says after that point when okay. she turns back. Yeah. Here's everything she says. Let's see if you can spot a Yaz in here. What are we supposed to do on Christmas Day? Sit here and freeze? And who is he anyway? That man. What is his name? Doctor what? What sort of doctor? Did he say? Who the hell is he? Where did he come from? Why was he even here in the first place? What? Where are you going now? End of character. That's what happens when she turns back to normal. She has zero agency. She does nothing but ask questions that aren't even answered. They're all basically rhetorical questions. She's essentially Yaz. Yeah. She's just utterly undone. And this is a character whom I loved up until the point that she turned into this bitter anti-mum. And Ruby's not going to help her with the baby for the next week. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you, Ruby. It's really pretty shitty behavior. I don't know. I do feel like there's an element of she's not the main character. She's a side character. Ruby's the one who's going to go off and have her story. And I actually think it's really accurate of an 18-year-old or whatever just to be like, okay, bye then, mom. And just run off without telling you where they're going. They don't want their mom's to know where they're going she's not gonna be like yeah i'm just gonna go off and get this man's spaceship i think he might be a time traveler of course she's not gonna tell her that well so i didn't have a problem she might have second thoughts when it comes to i could have died 12 different ways today i'm gonna go off and tempt fate again nah. and not even tell my mum. yeah she any survived. the first detail now she yeah, but she makes this decision of she's she invincible re- like oh, teenagers are invincible I was, honestly. There's, there's something to that. And she is your cousin, so you know her best. But, <laughs> not literally, but literally. Yeah, <laughs> literally, but not literally. But Ruby, for me, was really believable in the episode. Like, I didn't find myself questioning any of her choices. I don't mean Molly Gibson's choices. I mean Ruby's character mm. choices. Everything seemed to ring true. But now yeah. you've said this, maybe this is the one thing that doesn't. Even when she's figuring everything out, I got quite impatient with that. Oh, wait, no, he went back inside. He was talking about me. Oh, right. But she's putting that together because as a character, she doesn't have the knowledge we have. So it all rings true. And then she just fucks off. (laughs) (laughs) So so close. That is what I would have done at that age. You would have put it all together and you would have been out of there. And you wouldn't stop to sit your parents down and explain to them why you were leaving because you know they'd try and stop you. You just follow the shiny new thing. Fair. Yeah. We don't know also what she says to the Doctor in response to, I'm the Doctor. At the beginning of the next episode, she might have some questions, some second thoughts. They might head off somewhere by accident. Who knows? Yeah, true. Yeah. And at this point, she's not committing to leaving forever with him. She's rushing out the door because she thinks he might leave and she wants to catch him before he goes. And then she walks into the TARDIS. You wouldn't stop to explain everything that's happened in your day to your mom before you <laughs> ran off to get the yeah. time no, traveler but you that might, might have a thing or two to say it. Yeah, but you might have a thing or two to say if you are leaving indefinitely. Yeah, but she doesn't know that. Well, you you don't she, know. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. She no, knows you it don't. is not a definitive amount of... <laughs> Again, it hasn't you're, been defined. No. It is indefinite. No, 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 no. You're putting your experience as a Doctor Who viewer on. So you know, as a companion, she's getting into the TARDIS. She's going to fly away with him and have adventures. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. know and that. Also, no, respectfully just, disagree with both well, of you. Well, no, and also that no. Rose did. 
So we think, oh, RTD is going to repeat himself here. And so, of course, she's going to go off because that's exactly what Rose did. And this is what people are saying. That's the parallel they're drawing. Yeah, that is like, a fair point about Rose because Rose also far... should have been more respectful of her elders. But she hasn't thought that far ahead. She's literally just like, there's something different about this guy. He's yeah. a time traveler. I need him in my life. I need to go immediately to find him. And she hasn't thought beyond what will happen after I find him. I'm agreeing with you. Cut to end credit sequence, post credit sequence. BBC still hasn't figured out how Marvel does these things, but yeah, they've got a post credit sequence and it shows two things. One, Carla fucking chain smoking. She is so depressed. She still hasn't seen her daughter. She's constantly there scratching at the photos on her fridge. People keep mm. delivering babies to her doorstep. She wants to call them Ruby. Eventually, this role is taken away from her. She's got a whole stack of 800-pound checks that she just can't bring herself to cash. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to the other side of town where a goblin spouse and multiple goblin kids are all, like, cooking. And they're like, oh, your goblin mum or dad will be back any moment now. Oh, he or she is running late. I'm sure they're just stuck in traffic. Don't worry about it. He or she is running late. Just a few more minutes to wait. <laughs> I made one up on day. the spot. It can be done. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about their day. Oh, no, sorry. The audience knows that goblin was murdered. Great. Thanks, BBC. Thanks, Disney. Yeah. I actually think only the Goblin King was murdered. The rest of them are still around. Why They're did just it just bend it over the church? Why did, so, Why did it disappear? Because RTD's a salty bastard. Salt fiend. I yeah. think we've spoken about this for two hours now. And, we need <laughs> and yet we to still haven't changed this. the past like we want to. <laughs> Let's mini this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, and welcome to my review. My review, <laughs> I haven't written anything and I don't have a score in mind. So I'm just going to talk for a few minutes and then decide at the end how I feel. Basically, I loved this episode. Everything about nice. it was fantastic. That's not true. That's a lie. That's a big fat lie. The beginning Wait, part what? was dreadful. I didn't like the beginning part. I didn't like the song. The goblins were fine, but I didn't like the singing and all the blah, blah, blah. But what I did really like was the heart feels like the heart is back in Doctor Who. For the whole of Jodie Whittaker's era, what I was missing was this connection with the companions and the Doctor and this feeling of family. And it just never felt like that was there. And I just really love that it feel like that is back. And Ruby Sunday is incredible. She's Clara 2.0. And you all know how obsessed I was with Clara. And so she can do no wrong in my eyes. I loved her interactions with the new Doctor. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Hey. I also have not quite no notes for him. My one note is don't be judgmental to parents that want to walk their babies at midnight because maybe their baby <laughs> can't sleep and the only way they get them to sleep is in the pram. That was uncalled for. But otherwise, I think he did an absolutely stonking job. I loved the addition of Davina. I was like, oh, a pop culture reference from 20 years ago. That's always fun. And I loved that the explanation for why the goblins were being cruel to her was just for shits and giggles, really, just because they could, just because it's Davina McCall, and why wouldn't you? If you could prank Davina McCall, we all would, let's face it. I don't think that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure I would, but yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved the three queens of the sky. 
are just such an adorable trio. I think you can really feel how much they love each other and how much they are annoyed by each other at the same time, like family are, like the grandma that keeps asking for a cup of tea even though you didn't drink the last cup of tea. I know that feeling because my mother never finishes a cup of tea. She has this <laughs> hang up from her childhood where they used loose leaf and so you didn't drink the last bit of the cup because it was going to have horrible floaty leaves in it and so she will literally always leave half a cup and it drives me insane and she'll ask for a new one (laughs) and I resent her for it but I make it for her and so that to me felt unfair why the heck did Cherry not get a cup of tea after asking every single person that walked by her door for the last half an hour somebody should have made that woman a damn cup of tea but honestly, I've literally wrote down a couple of times, if this episode stopped here, this would be a 5.0. Because oh, I, was wow. so, what? I was so like built up with the excitement of it all. We'd just come through an adventure together. We've saved the world from goblins. We'd reset the timeline. Ruby is like stepping through the door and going off into her new adventure. And I was so swept away with it. It felt really festive. I felt like it was Christmas again in February. I really, really loved it. And so I forgave all of the... It really, to me, felt like an episode of two halves. I felt the first half was a lot weaker. But because it finished strong, I forgave it all. And then it did that bullshit (laughs) Mrs. Flood thing. And it reminded me again of all the shittiness. I'm like, oh, okay, you're not the best episode ever. There are problems here, which I do have to address. <laughs> and we've spent a lot of this episode complaining about things. And I feel like I've fulfilled the role of defending it, even though the things I'm defending it for, I don't really, I don't want to defend it because I agree with you. I agree that the singing was uncalled for and unnecessary. Yep. And there's so many other problems that we've touched on. So, yeah. My head tells me that it's not a perfect episode, but my heart tells me that I just want more of this and I'm just happy that we're going in a good direction and I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes. So I'm going to give it just a really solid 4.0. Hey, hey. Oh my goodness, 4.0 from Marie. Holy moly. <laughs> oh, well done. Fabulous. All right. Okay, here we go. How do I follow that? Okay, I'll, I'll start with Shooty. Shooty does mostly great work here. He's very cool, obviously, but he's different and setting a tone. We touched upon this. The same way that Tenant was different and set a tone in the Christmas Invasion. Silly episode, new doc, let's drop a few hints about him being a new person with new sensibilities and a new degree of silliness or absence thereof. But also dark as shit in a laissez-faire sort of way. Basically, long-winded way of saying it's too soon to tell, but I saw nothing to dissuade me from enjoying the heck out of the 15th Doctor and very much to encourage me to watch more. A lot of very promising stuff. Bravo, duty. I made a note of his most Doctory moments, uh-huh. which I know at least one of you will disagree with parts of it. I wrote, I like Doc's interaction with the policeman. Hey, intelligent gloves. However, I will add, as long as they don't stick around, and we didn't talk about this, but why set up that they only have 3% battery life left at the very start and then not have that arc culminate with them running out of juice? No, that's yeah. so dumb. Also, that's really, them up really in dumb. your damn time machine. Yeah, but we didn't get that. It's so <laughs> dumb. It is so dumb. Doesn't matter. Still very doctory. Another doctory moment. Learning the vocabulary of rope. I love that. Talking about the tapestry of coincidental accidents. Yada, yada, yada. Even though I don't think that they're coincidence or accidents. Least doctory moments. Murdering the baddies instead of doing a clever. That is shit. 
Ruby was terrific as a new companion, but I worry about anything that has a massive foreboding arc set out from the start. Are we going to learn that her mum's a misbehaving lycanthrope towards the end of Act 3 of her single season, or a lupus malus, or a bad wolf, if you will? Foe, really quite pants, even by Christmas standards. Production value, yeah, great, whatever. Greatest asset, shooty and the forgiveness of Christmas specials. Biggest flaws, some of the acting was hammy and utter dog shit, and that musical number, <laughs> why did it go on forever? How many verses do you need? At least, how many verses do you need before you realize that you're dropping a deuce on six decades of ambience? Main takeaway, I've written, Doc isn't dead, long live the Doc, and I've given this a rating of 2.0. Wow! Yeah, there you go. Whoa! Short and sweet. Half of mine. <laughs> Goodness. If you don't give it a 3.0, I'm going to quit this podcast. Be... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> You're not going to take that back. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to preface my review by saying, Wop, wop, wop. Leon, really, what's your problem? You asked for good times, now we've got them. RTDs are Yuletide saviour with thirsty new erotic flavour. The doctor driving like a himbo. It's just what kiddies want at Crimbo. Everything will be okay. One trouble can just fade away. We all love the Goblin Song. If you don't, then you must be wrong. This is Russell's greatest victory. Or would be with a rhyming dictionary. The show is uniformly super. Don't be such a party pooper. To hear you hate the song is shocking. So stuff your critic in your stocking. Well done, bravo, and also I hate you. Sorry. Uh, I mean, no. no, well done, well done, well done, well done. Well done. So, so, I, I, I'm upset. I'm sorry to interrupt you mid-racing, mid but I'm upset by the fact that you wrote that before we had even sit down to review this, meaning yeah. you knew yep. that I was going to you hate this. Oh, yes. The arm was a party pooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a dick. What an absolute dick. I'm talking about Drew. <laughs> no, well done. Oh, okay. That was my favorite review you've ever done. That was so good. <laughs> see, see oh, musicals can be fun. <laughs> yeah. As one-offs. Yes. There is a coda. There is also a prose section. Minus the hype and the marketing <laughs> momentum. This episode turns out to be, at the end of it all, slight but not unenjoyable. Who knew, though, when Chibbers wrote in the Doctor was part of the division, that it would turn out to be health and safety gin and tonic division? Oh, yeah. I found his delivery of, it's not just an accident that happening to you, it's worse than that. Merry Christmas. It came across as a weird yeah. neg. That was a strange few minutes for so many reasons. But like Marie said, the family scenes, they felt so smooth. They zipped along with such ease, such genuine rapport and love. This is what you want families to be like. Beautiful chaos. We didn't talk about the music, but the music in the whole mm. sequence where Ruby's looking upwards and the sight of the ladder leading straight up into the clouds is impossible and thrilling and the music just soars with it. And then it, again, at the debut of the Goblin Pirate Ship, it's just epic. There's so much good music in this episode. Mm. I made a note on Houdini. Is the implication going to be that Doc's basically fucked every human he's ever met in history from now on? <laughs> I don't know about that, but he clearly had some sort of bondage thing going on with Houdini. <laughs> bondage, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Shooting teeth <laughs> are amazing. I know, I noticed that as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> he could have given Carla more of a pep talk, though. He could have said, yeah, my adoptive mother killed me repeatedly to steal the secret of my life. So don't worry. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Like, Get out of my flat, strange man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. As for the end, RTD really dropped the baby with that one. 
And then I would have liked if he'd given us a sequence where he tries to walk after Mystery Lady 15, but can't. Like, he loses focus on her. Time slows down. It doesn't need to say that she's not human, that she's a time wibble wobble or whatever. But just give us some kind of mystery rather than, oh, no, she's right there. But I guess he's got business elsewhere. But all that's one side. When the TARDIS door just creaks ajar at the end, just ever so gently. <clears throat> and then there's a piano version of Shooty's theme. Big timpani drums going boom, boom, boom underneath it. The thrill really hits home. And while I had a bit of a problem with Ruby just buggering off, I do see your point, Marie. And I just wanted the new series to start immediately after that moment. So, whop, whop, whop. What's my rating? You all cry. Spoiler alert, it's not that high. Still, it's not as bad as you. And so I give it 3.2. Woohoo! Amazing! Well done. I still completely resent this. What? what, what? <laughs> Where's the light? I'm sure you, he would have done a quick rewrite had you been very positive, Leon. Yeah, yeah. I'd have made it up on the spot like people can. <laughs> well done. Well done. I'm so thrilled by these reviews. This is excellent. <laughs> excellent work. <laughs> Everyone, oh all round. <laughs> but these aren't the sum total of the reviews we have to read out tonight. Mm-mm. No, indeed. We've got some listener minis as well. Many listener minis. Let's delve into them, shall we? Let's. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Our first review comes from the wonderful Archie Loud, who is a new reviewer. <laughs> Hello, Archie. Wow. You really made that sound like sheep were singing for some... I don't know how. Yeah, vibrato, yeah you've got a proper vibrato going there, Drew. That was excellent. Drew, you have excelled yourself tonight. Yeah. Thanks, Marie. Welcome, Archie. <laughs> Hi, Archie. Nice to see you, Archie. Very glad Archie to have begins, you on board. Hi, guys and gal. Archie knows there will be multiple guys and a gal. Archie listens. I like Archie. Good first impression, Archie. <laughs> anyway, Archie really begins. Hello, Hubak Wensians. The first full episode of a new Doctor. The first episode of a new companion and my first ever mini. Here we go. Nice. Yeah, love it. <laughs> right off the bat, can we all say how great it is to have Shooty Gatwa on board? I'm so optimistic about their tenure as the Doctor. Charismatic and full of smiles. Unfortunately, the verdict is still out on Millie Gibson as Ruby. Promising, yes. <gasps> Lively, yes. But it seemed to me, Archie, like she was trying a little too hard. Ooh. Ooh. I think Ruby has good chemistry with the Doctor, so she deserves a chance. But I'm not sold yet. Also, did anyone get Clara vibes? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Millie used Clara as inspiration. We didn't see much of Ruby's family, but I wouldn't complain if we did. Cherry is a hoot. Archie continues. Plot-wise, I found the idea of odd goblin creatures feeding off coincidences to be fun and clever. Kudos for that idea. As a story in general, I quite liked it. Unfortunately, we have to address the elephant-sized Jabba the Goblin King in the room. (laughs) Is this show a musical now? What the heck was that? There is no way that voice came out of that oddly feminine and oddly blonde singing goblin. Gone are the days of the Ood songs. Hopefully this was a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, Archie. We'll see, Archie. Uh, and overall, Archie says there's lots of things to like, but a couple of large dislikes. <laughs> Based mostly on vibe, 
Archie gives this a 2.9 out of 5. Whoop, whoop, Great whoop. score, Archie. Fabulous. Oh my goodness, what a yeah. start, Archie. That is an amazing first <laughs> video. Well done. Very solid. Absolutely. Holy smokes. You'll be pleased, Leon, because he basically gave it the same as you. Kudos. 1.9 more than me, but yeah, yeah, fair. Absolutely. I think wait, Archie's wait. our friend oh, who agrees no. with us. I misremembered. I thought you gave a 3. You went as 2.0. Yeah. 2.0 is still better than most television on television. <laughs> My brain won't yeah. accept that. <laughs> Archie, yeah, I think you're still our friend who agrees with us. Well done. Very glad to be traveling down that temporal road with you. Welcome aboard. Excellent, excellent review, Archie. Thank you so much for writing in. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Jeff Richardson. And he's another new reviewer. That vibrato is growing. <laughs> I've done it every single time I've ever sung it with you guys. No, I'm aware. Oh, really? <laughs> no, it, it hurts still. <laughs> so Jeff, aka El Jefe Tacoma, gives us some compliments. But let's start with wowzers. <laughs> I love fantasy and I love Gatwa's utter glee and discovering its rules have invaded the earth. Ruby is lovely and charming and so full of life and excitement. It made my whole year. Woo! I absolutely oh. broke at the loss of her foster siblings and its mm. effect on her mum. The Goblin King was a bit pants, but overall, I loved it. I, for one, enjoy the dumb songs and can't wait for more. This episode completely redeems the failures of the giggle. Oh? Mmm. And makes me hazed to the extreme for what's next. That might be what young people say. El Hefetacoma uh, mm. continues with some boobs. Namely, I can't think of any. Oh. <laughs> 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 Maybe could have used a few more jokes, but honestly, it may just be enough. It hung together well. It was pacey. The money was on the screen and Gatwa sings in the role. Other than having to wait for more, this was just about perfect. Okay. Jeff continues. There is one. <laughs> the Goblin King was nowhere near sexy enough. And there were no modern Bowies to tap for the role. Maybe three super hot people in one episode would break the space-time continuum. Holy smokes. And Jeff gets your friend who agrees with you. And Jeff gives this rating of 4.5 plaid skirts and long jackets. And additionally adds a little prediction. The doctor dropped off Ruby and her parents were killed in the time war. What? Oh my goodness. Holy, that requires some thinking. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> her parents were killed in the time Okay, hang on. I carry the two and then go on. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> the time and war's if, a long time if that, Yeah. If that turns out to be true... You will be our new oh, hero. That's why he's El Jefe. Yeah. Also, can a time war be a long time ago? <laughs> I don't no. even know. Everything's relative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, El Jefe Tacoma. Well done. Bravo. What a mini. Oh, welcome aboard. Thank you very much for traveling down this temporal road with us. Ooh. Keep them coming. Mm. Thank you very much. Who's next? Why next up is Vamshi. What up, Vamshi? Hey up, Vamshi. Sup, fellow alum. Vamshi begins with some likes. Shooty is amazing, full caps. He brings magic and charm to the show that immediately cements him in the role of the Doctor. And every time he's on the screen, he's effortlessly the centre of attention. And I love the cowboy hat. 100% agree. So spot on. <laughs> Next, Ruby and her whole family were a blend of RTD1 down-to-earth <laughs> sensibilities and Moffat's fairy tale style and immediately likable. Mm, I agree with that too. <laughs> 
And apparently the intro at the nightclub was an implicit reference to RTD seeing his own husband for the first time across a nightclub. Very Ka-ching. sweet. Yes. We yeah. picked that up as well in the episode. Good shout. Yeah. Famshi's glad Russell held off from very blatantly and clunkily setting up the season villain like he did in all three of the tenant specials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did he hold off? <laughs> Mrs. Flood question. <laughs> Maybe Vamshi literally left the room and was like, that's the end of the episode. Why would I stay? Final like in this list. Yes, I know it's probably because they'll do it in the finale, but I loved that 15 respectfully held off from confronting Ruby's mum in the episode. It wasn't his place to get involved in Ruby's history. That's mm, a thought. Or possibly, just saying, I can't remember whose theory this was, it's his past self and he remembers this whole scenario and therefore, dot, dot, dot. I'm not saying it's, oh. my, I'm not saying it's my theory. It is not my theory. It's a theory. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, are there only likes? No, well, Vamshi has some also not so likes, beginning with... Honestly, just the goblins. The whole thing with knots was great, but the fact that they were pretty much not characters at all leaves the episode feeling really empty at points. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Next. Not so like. New Sonic <laughs> is definitely one I need to get used to, and the breathing sounds in the opening theme give me the heebie-jeebies, to put it lightly. Yeah, not just outro, intro as well now. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Next up, Chuty wasn't allowed to do any of the regen episode things, like discovering himself over the course of the episode, and it was to the detriment of his character. That bind generation really screwed him over, and he deserves a better beginning. I had thought mm. maybe to bring this up. He was a big-name cameo at the end of the giggle, and as Vamshi says, in this one, there wasn't any of the scene setting. He's almost already established. Yeah. knows exactly who he is and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's a fair point. Yeah, interesting observation. Anything else? The last, not so like. Season one, in air quotes. Is yeah. it being renamed on Disney? Is it season one? I think it's going to be season mm. one on the BBC as well. Isn't really? It? I, thought, I think so. Possibly, yeah. wow. Rather than 14 and 15. Although that's how it's still listed in a lot of places. Yeah, we'll probably still list like them as 14 and 15 on Who Back When. <laughs> but overall, fourth best new Who Doctor intro. But it is tough competition. 11th, 12th and 13th are some of my favourite episodes of the whole show. And Vamsha gives this a very... I was wondering when you'd notice. <laughs> What's the word? Accurate. Generous. No. <laughs> no, not generous. Like a, <laughs> an apt... Exaggerated. On the nose. Poignant. A well-earned four out of five. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Bloody excellent rating, Vamshi. Wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> Well done, Vamshi. Yeah, so well that man's done. had a good education. Four best <laughs> new Who Doctor intro, eh? Mm. Nine, ten, and fourteen are lesser intros. Maybe. Vamshi yeah. says eleven, twelve, and thirteen are the favourite ones. This is the fourth best ones. Deep breath? Is that Capaldi's one? Yeah. Mm. I totally agree that eleven was the best one, though. Yeah, a bajillion percent agree with that, yeah. yeah. It's kind of impossible to equal, in a way. Yeah. You just, just see how Matt you do Smith. It looking over the top of the TARDIS on its side. You can't beat it. Yeah, well no. done. Yeah. Oh, Vamshi, terrific stuff. Thank you so much. Well done. Who's next? Next up, we've got one more. It's Derek Moore. Please, hey. sir, can I have Derek Moore? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Derek Moore, the merrier. <laughs> Hello, oh, Derek. Excellent. Well done. Hello. 
<laughs> oh man welcome Derek Derek says hello this is the first time I've written in for new who episodes Ooh. why because shooty Gatwa is freaking awesome hooray Woo-hoo! I loved this episode at least the first 40 minutes the last 20 were okay mm. but that doesn't matter why because I could listen to shooty read a phone book for 30 minutes and still be entranced final <laughs> verdict dare I say it I want more, please. (laughs) And Derek gives this an equally excellent, accurate, generous, and exaggerated (laughs) rating (laughs) of four out of five orgy-tastic goblins. If only. (laughs) Derek, fabulous. Holy smokes, uh, Podcast Land has a huge heart. Yeah. Excellent review. <laughs> no, no. Podcast Land has average sized hearts. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I promise I didn't read them beforehand. I swear to God, my review was impartial. Just happened to have chosen the modal average, but okay. <laughs> Derek, fabulous stuff. Thank you very, very much. Right, we're going to do snippages henceforth. Hey, uh, snipped. <laughs> <laughs> snipped up it's kieran evans hello kieran what's up kieran hey kieran <laughs> kieran says snip snippity snip snip snips what to give an episode that i thought was fundamentally fine and nothing more 3.0 out of 5 he says coincidences needed to attract some goblins mm, yeah brutal yeah. solid if I'd picked a different rhyme scheme, that could well have been my rating. Sure. Hey, uh, Kieran, thank you very much. Peeps, what are not Kieran? Head on over to whobackone.com, read his mini in its full splendor, and obviously follow Kieran online at... KJ Evans 2. For all your Evan needs. <laughs> Thanks, Kieran. Who's next? Absolutely. Next up, we have GP Haynes. GP! I said G, you said P, G, P, G, P. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hello, GP. Hey, GP. <laughs> and GP's review in snippet form says, let's hope this is a good glitch, please. In oh. the end, it's right down the middle, 2.5. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to read that in Harsh. its full splendor on whobackwhen.com podcast land? You know you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you happen to not be GP, please do find GP on Instagram and YouTube. He can be found at Finding G Spots. Well done, GP. Yeah, well done. GP does a lot of traveling. You can travel really? vicariously through him on YouTube. I'm literally following you right now, Finding G Spots. So I hope you do do a lot of traveling because. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah, give him a Google. Right. It for me. Who's next? Next up, it's Tan Six Fingers. Kapow, 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 kapow. Oh, that last one really went deep. (laughs) (laughs) Heard that before. Hello, Dan. Hey, Dan. Tans's snip-fingered review is, I liked it better on the rewatch, but still thought it was only middling for a Christmas special. (gasps) I give it 3.5 out of 5. Nice one. Thank you very much, Tans. 3.5 3.5 seems more than middling. Yeah, and he's got a good theory on Mavity as well, so get to whobackwhen.com podcast land. Absolutely. Follow him on the gram as Tan Six Fingers or on YouTube as... Tan's Polydactyl. I'm about to do that. Holy smokes. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Tans. Who's next? Why, next up is Ollie Raven. Hey, Ollie Raven. <laughs> Hello, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> This is more like it, says Ollie and adds, snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip. Overall, 3.9 magic gloves out of five. 
Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, Ollie. So close to a perfect score there, Ollie. Yeah. Oh, dear. (laughs) Just bounced off the rim at the outside of the bullseye. broke the trend. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you very much, Ollie. People who are not Ollie, please do read his mini or maxi in its full splendor on whobackone.com. Say hi to Ollie online. Where can Ollie be found? At Foggy Doctor Who. That's Just right. how I like them. Is that a joke about the mists of time? Mm. Thanks very much, Ollie. That's it. Thank you very much, everyone who sent something in for this one. Oh, that is it. <laughs> and yeah, 69% of the Matrix is wank. <laughs> 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 Thanks, everyone. Holy moly. Thanks, you too, for a fabulous soiree. Wowee. Thank you for hosting me and setting all this up. And we're in the shooty era, guys. Properly. Oh, we are. Yeah, yeah. New doctor. Yeah. New home, new doctor, new who. (laughs) (laughs) The Disney tagline at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, dear. This was fabulous. Is this the last of Doctor Who? No. Doctor Who will return in May 2024. Yes, indeed. With something. And in the meantime, are we doing any classics? Don't think so. Are we doing any Audio Who reviews? I'm not. Yeah, never planned. <laughs> we are doing probably a good few bonuses, though, in the meantime, right? <laughs> they are still slated to appear at some point. Yeah, to, to tide <laughs> us over in some way. There are plenty of productions that are happening, yeah, and yeah. there may be the odd bonus review. We're working it out, podcast land. Yeah. But until then, where can we be found on the lines? What a question. Marie, where can you be found? Previously, you might have noticed that I can be found on Instagram, but I'm not really using that anymore. So if anyone wants to follow me on my new Ravelry account for knitters, I can also be found at Ham Matin Jelly, where I'll be posting one new knitted item per month for the whole of 2024. That's my Holy goal. moly. Podcast land, you're experiencing <laughs> this in real time, just as Drew and I are experiencing yeah. this. Will you be knitting <laughs> ham, mash and or jelly? Exclusively. Oh, those are three of my favorite patterns. <laughs> <laughs> that is fabulous stuff, Marie. Well done. Oh, God. Lots of creative projects. I want to see how many crossover fans we have that enjoy Doctor Who and also like knitting. Oh, so. The Venn diagram of knitters <laughs> and Whovians is essentially just one massive circle. <laughs> <laughs> Start with an adipose and work your way up to a rachnos. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I can be found in the collective whobackwhen at gmail.com and at whobackwhen on whatever it's called now. Yeah, Twitter or X. Also Facebook, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hit us up on Facebook. Who back when? Yeah, we'll respond in three to six months. Oh, <laughs> I do respond. I do respond. You put a lot of the work in. I, I do them don't. in volleys. So, Podcast Land, if you've <laughs> written something to us on Twitter or Facebook or X or whatever, and you haven't heard back, it's probably because I haven't done another volley yet. So, it's coming. Don't worry about it. You can also say hi to me, although I think people have just stopped because they realize I don't give a shit about X anymore. But you can find me on X, and I am at Punkin, P-O-N-K-E-N, where I haven't tweeted for, I think, years, plural. <laughs> But if you want to have a conversation, please do say hi. Until the next time, Podcast Land, holy smokes, you've been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Cha-chao. Bye-bye. Tschüssi. Kablamo. What's that? Don't like mid-credit sequences, do we? Well, just remember whose hands are doing the waving.
Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problem. I'll tell some strangers. Hey, like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earbuds in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. ciao.